0: All right, I'll be ready. <laughs> I am particularly excited. I am particularly, well, a mixture of excitement and sobriety because um, I feel the trajectory that God is going tonight. And I'm, I can tell a number of us can feel it, right? Because everyone is just solemn and, you know, sober and, you know, calm. Abi, mean, am I right? <laughs> Who can feel it? The sobriety in the atmosphere. Can you feel it?
1: Yeah, I was in the
2: bathhouse. You
0: know? <laughs> LOL. <laughs> well, glory be to God. Welcome, every blessed, everyone, to this very blessed meeting. Welcome to another ah, lovely discussion between friends, brothers, and sisters, and um, whatever we want to call ourselves, you know. We're still on the subject of the Holy Trinity, you know. These past six weeks that we have been having our discussions on tales of the origin have been very, very exciting, you know, how maybe just one word in the Bible can take us on a whole wild goose chase and you see how we're we're poking into every book in the Bible or poking into different parts of our lives or poking into so many different things just from one word. And it really makes us ask, my God, if one word can reveal this much, how much have I missed over the years? You know, I really need to go back and study my Bible. How many of us have that testimony from as a result of these past few weeks? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. You know, <laughs> yeah. there's so much to go back and learn, you know. so much much to go back and study and look into. And it also applies to us on a very fundamental level because you see, the same way a lot of things in the Bible have been overlooked and have not been taken note of, is the same way so many things in our own lives have been overlooked, so many things in our minds, in our emotions, in our character that we haven't necessarily taken note of and we don't yet understand, however, all these things are very much available in our environment. As pointers, I would say, letting us to have some kind of insight into what it is that we are. You know? Because we've spoken about many times how a doctor, because life is all about connections. You see, everything is connected to everything. And if you understand the connections between two things, it's very easy for you to what can I say? How would I explain it? For example, you know, okay, COVID-19 now, right? If they want to tell you for COVID-19, they'll first of all ask you, oh, have you been coughing? Does your throat feel dry? Do you have a fever? Because the fever is associated with the coronavirus, as well as the cough, as well as the, the difficulty in breathing, as well as the headaches, true or false? know so based on these associations one has one one when one is aware of these associations between things one can have a bigger understanding of the picture you know and the same it is with the bible and ourselves when we start to see the relationships between things that's when understanding starts to become rich because true intelligence is the ability to connect one and two together. That is what makes a person intelligent, you know. It's not about how well one, because for example, look at the modern scientific world, you know, they speak all kinds of big English and this and try and talk as if they're smarter than everyone, but they are not able to relate this big English they're speaking to the very basic things in life. So it tells you that they don't really understand. Because for one to have understanding, you have to be able to know how this one thing that you know, connects to everything else that we've known. Make sense? Do we understand that?
2: Yes.
3: Yeah?
0: So the same applies with our lives and the same applies with God. Because as we begin our interaction with God, as we begin our interaction with ourselves, we start to take note of certain pointers that are related to certain things, you know, I'm sure we had moments when maybe we just wake up in the morning and we just feel a bit down or feel a bit stressed. And in the beginning, we don't really know what has stressed us. But it's it's later on when we start to observe our feeling, then we now realize, oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's what that person said to me last night that is making me feel this way this morning. Has anyone had that kind of experience before? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's how many things are connected, you know. And if we're observant, we we'll realize how everything around us is just information waiting to be harnessed, information waiting to be understood that will help us to be able to solve problems more efficiently and do things more, do things more properly in our lives and just things in general why did i start with this introduction you know because today i want us to now talk about ourselves as people as individuals you know because we're talking about the holy trinity like we've been discussing the holy trinity is a symbol of reconciliation you know like we've said many times one which is masculine plus two which is feminine equals to three which is a union of both. And that three, we can also call it one because inside of that number three exists number one and two. So the number three is a union of one and two, which means it is one and two. At the same time, it is something else entirely because it's a new creation. It's a new being, it's it's new, it's different because it's a product of a reconciliation, is a product of oneness, is the product of a marriage. And this in itself talks about the nature of God. It talks about integration. It talks about wholeness. Have you heard this scripture? Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Have you heard that scripture before?
4: I was just reading it.
0: Uh-huh. What? That word one, I think we've spoken about it before as well. Is the Hebrew word a had? The, the Hebrew word a had doesn't just mean one as in regards to a singular entity, but it means one in regards to something that is united, something that is integrated, something that is whole. So when they say, Hear O Israel, the Lord your God is one, right? The word a had doesn't speak of one person. It speaks of a multitude that are united together. You know, we've said also many times, like Jesus Christ when he was about to leave, he said that they may be one, a hand in us, as I am one, as you and I are one. Are we all familiar with that scripture? Huh? Are we familiar with that scripture? When Joshua is about to depart. Yeah? Okay, awesome. So it talks about a oneness that... It talks about a oneness that includes multiple people, includes multiple things. It doesn't exclude it. Because oftentimes, the idea of oneness excludes other people. When we talk about wholeness, we want to talk about wholeness, excluding things. But the wholeness of God is inclusive. And in Hebrew, this wholeness, this integration is also known by another word, which is called shalom, shalom. The word shalom is commonly translated as peace, but shalom actually means whole, that which has been made whole. You know. And Jesus Christ said, blessed are the peacemakers, For they shall be called the sons of God. Because the sons of God relate with wholeness, making things whole. And to make something whole, you have to include it into whatever it is that you're doing. You can't exclude it. Right now, I'm reminded of the time of Joseph. If you remember the book of Exodus, you know. When Jacob, the time that Joseph was um, kidnapped by his brothers and Sold to slavery, it was written that Jacob told Joseph, go and see to the shalom of your brothers. Are you seeing this? He told them, go and see to the shalom of your brothers. Literally, go forth and establish wholeness, unity, oneness amongst your brothers. And Upon going there, he carried the, the I think he went with the sheep or something, and when he went there, that's when they kidnapped him and they sold him to slavery, etc., etc, etc. Now much later on, we see that that same see to, the, see to the shalom of your brothers was the same thing God told Joseph to Egypt to see, see to the shalom of Pharaoh, right? How can one bring wholeness, integration, unity, wherever it is that they are? And if you look at the whole life of Joseph, that's what he did. In the whole of Egypt, with solving the issues, with solving the problems, he brought a kind of wholeness to the land. And when his brothers came, he made them a part of that which he had already been building. And that's why Exodus chapter 2 begins by saying, and these are the names of the, of the children of Israel that went into Egypt. And, and it was written, they named Reuben, they named Issachar, they named Zebulon, they named Judah, they named all the 12 tribes. And they said 70 nefesh went down into Egypt. Now that word nefesh is a singular word. And nefesh means soul." Pretty much, that's why it's usually translated as, translated as soul, you know. The plural word of nefesh is nefeshim or nefeshot. But in that place, they said 70 nefesh went down into Egypt. That's a singular word. What do you guys think was being communicated there? This is, I think, Exodus 1 verse 5, I think. But what do you think is, is being communicated there when they said 70 nefesh went down
4: into Egypt? I'm asking, anyone? Um, we all know that, at least by now, we, we know that seven, six of um, kind of uni, unifying factor, you know, where the, the two, threes come together. And if it says that um, seven, 17 of first, which is soul, uh, went into Egypt, they literally, what I heard in my head is one soul went into Egypt.
0: You know? Exactly, yeah. And you can see that at the end of the day, Joseph managed to accomplish the original task that Jacob gave to him, which is see to the shalom of your brothers. Because before the book of Exodus, if you look at the whole Genesis, the whole Genesis, book of Genesis just talks about different, it begins by brothers fighting, King and Abel, you know, brothers fighting, then you see how it goes on, Nimrod and the different stories, just brothers fighting, fighting, dissonance, dissonance, Jacob and Esau, Brothers fighting, 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 fighting. But for the first time, in the book of Exodus chapter 1, it was written that 70 nephesh went down into Egypt. They had become one person. There were 70 people, but there were 70 people that had become one person. Just like a herd of buffaloes or, or wild, wild beasts. There might be hundred and something, there might be a thousand, but they are really one. Because if one moves in this direction, all of them start to go in that place because they have become integrated. And that was the work that Jacob tasked to Joseph, who did not know that for that work to be completed, all those things that happened to him had to happen. Because it was only until that time when he was king, and we all know the story. When the brothers came back and then he um, wanted to test them if they had really changed by holding on to um, Benjamin and just forgiving them and all of that, he created a unity amongst them. He created a oneness amongst them. He created a wholeness amongst them. In that moment, we can see that truly, Joseph was a son of God because he brought shalom. He brought peace. And literally, it's called peace because when we say you and I are at peace, it means that you and I, who were once in, at, the, at odds against each other, are now whole, are now one, are now integrated. Are we following that? Huh?
3: Yes.
0: Are we following that? Yes, sir. So this idea of shalom, this idea of wholeness, this idea of oneness is seen all throughout the Bible because just look at also Solomon, his name literally is Shalomor. It literally means peace. It literally means wholeness. And that's why in his day, Israel was not at war with anyone. Israel was at peace with everyone. Now, how does this relate to us on a very individual level, on a very personal level? on a very psychological level, you know? Because we talk about the blessed are the peacemakers for shall be sons of God, people who go around achieving wholeness, oneness, unity in everywhere and everywhere they go and in everything that they do. But the question to ask, is it possible for me to create unity, wholeness, oneness outside of myself, if I haven't created it inside of myself? I'm asking. No, no. It's not possible. Because whatever it is that we give outside will always be an extension of what it is that we are on the inside. We can only express that which we are. And if inside of us is a lot of disharmony and disequilibrium, whatever comes out of us will also be the same. So before anything, there has to be That creation of internal harmony, internal integration, internal oneness, internal shalom. Because the truth is that as we engage life and move in the world, you know, because we've had to interact with different kinds of people, because we've had different seasons in our lives, because we've had different experiences we have had to develop certain different kinds of characters to survive in each of those times. True or false? True. You know,
3: true. so for
0: example, as a child, there is a kind of character that you have with the parents that you don't have with your classmates at school. True or false? True. You know, there's also that kind of character you have with someone who is your love interest. There's a character you have with someone who is your boss, there's, someone you have, there's a character you have with someone who is your employee. There's a character you have just when you're all by yourself. And all these different things make up like independ- independent identities inside of us. When there is no reconciliation of all these different inner identities that we have, inside of us can be like a world of turmoil and chaos should be told, we as human beings generally develop different kind of characters in order to function in a particular environment, in order to function in a particular time, in order to function in a particular place. Because character is not something that is fixed. Character is something that we use, is like a tool, is like a vehicle that we use in order to function in a particular environment. So, for example, now, you go to, let's say, a church that is very, very conservative, right? And when you go there, you see everybody saying, oh, brother, brother, sister, sister, everyone is, you know, all being holier than thou. Everyone is covering hair. And will you go there with ripped jeans and all those, will you go there dressed like that? I'm asking. Huh? (laughs) Tosi said she would. (laughs) Most likely not. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, most likely because it's, it's um, well, I mean, we could, but it just creates such so much contradiction that except you're willing to face, because people, people generally, they don't like anything that doesn't look like them you know, so except you're, you're comfortable that people thrive in that, that's okay, you know. But generally, when we're in a particular environment, we develop certain characters and um, personalities To help us function in that environment, you enter a new workspace, you know. In that workspace, you observe how people are interacting with with each other, you observe their different syllables and slang, you observe the body language. And just so that you can fit in and, you know, get things done, you just naturally start to talk and act like them, isn't it? You know, because in each environment, we develop a kind of personality that serves as a vehicle that we use to drive in that environment, true or false? Are we able to relate with this?
5: Yes, true, very true.
0: Yeah, you know? And this is how it's been for most of our lives, you know? And as we've grown through different experiences and different times, we've had to develop certain characters in order to to survive, to blend, and just to be in whatever space that it is. And we've been in many environments. Some of them have been profitable. Some of them have been not so profitable. You know, for example, as a child, you know, I'm sure most of us would even know when we started to lie, isn't it? <laughs> All we know is that one day we started lying and we just didn't turn back, have we? <laughs> you know. When a child is placed in a kind of environment where there is so much threat all around him or her, that if they do this or do that, some kind of punishment is going to come upon them because they don't like to be punished. And especially when, you see, because a child might do something silly, right? They might really mess up your thing, they might break your plate, they might. They might um, spill your drink. They might, they might just mess something up that is very valuable to you, you know? And in their mind, right, they didn't have any malicious intent towards you. They were just inquisitive. They wanted to just see, wait, what is this? Let me figure it out. And in their figuring out, they tear it apart and they, they, they meant no harm, right? Now, the parent now comes to them sees that oh my goodness my very special item is broken and you look at this child as though the child intentionally did harm to you and you beat the child shout at the child as though the child intentionally did harm to you the child will be very confused because in his mind what did i do to warrant how i'm being treated are are you guys following what i'm saying are you following what i'm
6: saying yeah
7: oh my god every time
0: lol in their mind they 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 don't understand why your reaction is this way because they didn't mean you any harm they were just playing they in their world they don't have any kind of they don't know the value of this thing and when they are Treated as though they knew the value, it it makes them develop a kind of survival mechanism. A, yeah, a survival mechanism, and that is when they start to lie because ah, ah, I didn't in their mind. I didn't try to hurt. I, didn't, I wasn't trying to hurt how I wasn't trying to hurt him. But it seems like whenever I do this particular thing, they are going to do like this. Okay, you know what? Because I'm not a bad person, but they always treat me like a bad person. I would think I would see how to save myself. Next time they ask me did I do it, I'll say no. Abid, <laughs> do you understand that? <laughs> That's
7: exactly how we started.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's how it starts, because when his person starts to lie, it's them trying to look for a way out of it, of a very complex situation. Honestly, to lie is the is is first sign of intelligence in a child, to be told, because it takes a lot of calculation to start to lie. Because to lie, you have to start to put a lot of stories together, strengthen. It takes some kind of intelligence to lie. It's unfortunate that this might be used for something not profitable, but it takes some kind of intelligence to start lying. And at a very young age, because of the kind of environment that we might have been in, that nature and character of lying starts to develop inside of us. And because growing up, we felt, ah, I'm not understood, ah, I won't be safe, anytime we feel unsafe, anytime we, we want to control a particular situation that is really out of our control, we start to lie and such character starts to develop inside of us. Understand I'm still talking about Shalom, I'm just trying to create a kind of foundation for how the mind works, how our emotions have worked and how over time different kinds of personalities and characters have developed over the years that we can easily forget that it's there even though it's very much there and it's thriving, you know. So that's how one starts to lie. You cannot ask them when they began to do it. They just know that they started doing it because that's the only way that they learned how to survive. You can also take a teenage boy or a teenage girl, you know. At that age, because puberty has come, and we can say the sexual forces are beginning to arise inside of them. I mean, that's why they grow. Teenagers grow at the teenage because it's also related with the quote unquote sexual waters. You know, it's because it's expanding inside of them. That's like energy and fire that begins to make all the bones to stretch. And that's, you know, there's a lot of energy happening in them at that age. And that's why they, you know, they, they use the word youthful exuberance. So in that teenage space, A lot of energy is present in these kids and it needs some kind of outlet. If an outlet is not provided for that child in a controlled way for a teenager, right? You don't create that small outlet for them to also make mistakes and learn. You just lock them inside of a box. You put them in one place. They don't leave the house. You can't have friends. Because that energy is flowing and because the energy has to go somewhere, if they are not able to go somewhere physically, they will begin to go somewhere mentally because that energy that is flowing must go somewhere, right? It now starts to go somewhere mentally. And usually it's towards the place that you, don't, you told them don't go. Now in their imaginations, that place that you have stopped them from going to, they start to run there, run there, run there every day the day that they happen to leave the house for school, everything that has been brewing in their imaginations from the age of 13 to 18 will come out and now take physical manifestation. And as I parent, to now say, my goodness, my goodness, this my child was a good boy, was a good girl. When did they become like this? Well, when one, one, one locked them inside of the house and there was no outlets provided to them, to make mistakes, to go out, to do silly things. And then you don't see them, you have, when they go out and make their mistake, then you see the issue, you see where they've missed it, then you can correct it. But when that space has not been given, right? That energy unfolds out of them in a very unhealthy way. And it begins to express itself in self-destructive things and things like that. And that kind of character develops, you know? if one is a little girl or a little boy in the house, and maybe people are always bullying you, you know, maybe as a young boy or a young girl, you know, maybe you looked a little bit different from everyone in your class. Maybe you're a bit too dark or a bit too light or maybe too short or tall, maybe you're fat, maybe you're skinny, you're just different. And people start to pick on you because of that, you know and that makes you develop a personality to always want to protect yourself you know so from the age of 11 you are you know because people are always trying to put you down you know it it makes you develop that character to just always want to lash at people and who can relate to what i'm saying can anyone relate to the things i'm, I'm saying so much. So, yes, huh? so
3: much so much yeah? yes
0: yeah you know and that's how at this this young age, it is all kinds of different personalities, characters, identities are developing. Without us knowing, it's just developing because of the different encounters that we have, the different relationships and experiences that we have. And it's there. Everything is there being built on the inside of us, whether we know it or not. All these characters are being formed. All these characters are being formed. They are being developed, they are being Hardened, you know. And all kind of character traits start to form based on these experiences. You know? And maybe he let us down a particular path and we started to do things that are not very pleasant. You know, it could be that when we are young, maybe our mom or dad wasn't as present as we might like and they did not give us some kind of Care or attention, or maybe we didn't feel safe, you know. If I mean, as far me personally, when I think about how I grew up, what I remember most is fear <laughs> because Kane was always around. So I grew up very afraid. I didn't grow up feeling safe. Like, do you does anyone relate? I didn't grow up feeling safe, you know. And That begins to define how one has relationships with people. You know, if one grows up in a home, in that home, maybe some tragedies happened, and no one stood up for you, no one was there for you. We start to see how. She said, "My mom's omorogun was always handy." (laughs) Oh my gosh. I don't want to think about that, <laughs> you know? Maybe something happened in the home that, you know, who knows what it could have been, but something that was just unfortunate. And when we tried to tell someone about it, it was treated like it didn't really matter. And um, we just grew up as though, No one is going to stand up for us and no one is going to be there for us. And it just governs the way we begin to have relationships with people. You know, we meet friends and um, we find that we have a lot of very deep needs and wants because a lot of things were not fulfilled in our childhood. And now that we're older, all those things that were deprived of us in childhood, now we want to claim it in whatever we are formed. You know, these very deeply rooted issues are the very things that as people, God wishes to touch first in the beginning. Because if all these areas are not addressed, if all these areas are not visited, if we just sweep these things under the carpet, sooner or later, these very things that we have abandoned will come back to bite us in the future. Can everyone relate to what I'm saying? Yes, sir. You know, because as individuals, you know, we all know where we've come from, the background, the memory, the experience, we know who we were and maybe, as a child, you know, we were very fearful people. We were cowards. Maybe people always bullied us. You know, people always told us we can't be anything. And as children, what we just remember is people just telling us that we're we're not good enough, we're not good enough, we're not good enough, we're not good enough, we're not good enough. And that voice has been deep inside of us. And because they were always telling us we're not good enough, we're not good enough, we're not good enough, it made us develop a character, a personality, that wants to always combat those people that told me I wasn't good enough. And everything that we do in our life today is in response to that, you're not good enough, you're not good enough, you're not good enough. So we think now that we're free. We think that, oh, now that maybe some kind of quote unquote success has come, that yes, we'll finally prove them wrong. But the truth is, we're still trapped in that thing that is said to us as children, that you're not good enough, you're not good enough, you're not good enough. Because we have not seen how to reconcile that scaredy cat of a boy or a girl with whoever it is that we are today. Does that make sense? huh?
3: Yeah.
0: Let me give you a little example. Let's look at someone like Floyd Mayweather, right? You can tell that that boy came from a very broken place. You know, his father from a child from childhood, his father was always in a lot of prison, in a lot of jail. You know, they grew up in the projects, no money, no food to eat, probably treated like an underdog, and just love wasn't just there. You know, so he came from a place of deep brokenness and deep sorrow and deep pain and deep. No one likes you. No one appreciates you. Nothing like that. Now, he now made some money, you see. And in his mind, he believes that in making money, he has created distance between that little boy, that scared little boy, that ashamed little boy, that unloved little boy. He thinks that because he has made money, he has left that little boy behind. But the point is never in leaving the little boy behind. The point is in integrating that little boy with who you are now, building who you are now upon that little boy so that that little boy, there's a kind of dominion that you have over that old nature so that tomorrow, that little boy that was broken, was bruised, was beaten, doesn't come back in the future to embarrass you. Because when you look at his lifestyle, he's very clear to everyone that he's still trying to prove to those people who told him, you can never be anything. Abi, are we able to understand this? Huh? Yeah. Look at his lifestyle. Always trying to tell everyone, oh, I'm the best in the world. I'm the GOAT. Ain't nobody better than me. Blah, 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 blah. Why, why are you still fighting people? Why are you, you made money. You're worth million million. You have how many houses? Look at all your cars, your clothes. Look. At, why are you still fighting people? You can see that inside of that man, two things are contradicting one another. The contradiction between who he is now and who he was then. Inside of himself, peace has not happened between those two individuals. We can just call it on a very basic level, Jacob and Esau. Inside of him, they are still fighting. Do you understand that? Those two natures are still fighting against themselves. Peace hasn't happened. He hasn't come to terms with the fact that he was really a helpless boy that probably got slapped around as a kid, that was very hungry, he hasn't come to peace with that. He hasn't embraced that part of himself that looks so shameful. He uses all the money to try and bury that boy. But that boy can't be buried. That boy can only be embraced. He can only be loved. You can only have compassion on that boy if one is to move forward. Because oftentimes we think that just because we have walked out of a geographical environment, that we have walked out of a psychological environment. Do you understand that statement? Huh?
8: Yeah.
0: It's possible for me to move from Australia to Canada, right? But even if I've moved physically from Australia to Canada, psychologically speaking, I can spend my whole life in Australia till I die. True or false? True. That one has physically moved out of a place does not mean that psychologically they have moved out of that place. And most of us right here now, even though physically we have left a lot of things, we have worked out of this and that, psychologically, psychologically speaking, we're still very much there. And psychologically speaking, you know when you're still in a place when you are either excited by it or very irritated by it. Do you understand? You, you, were, you were born very poor. You didn't have a lot of money. You didn't have a lot of things. You made some money. Now, whenever you see people who don't have money, you're irritated. Like, oh my gosh, this, this ratchet, you know? Why are you so disturbed by that ratchetness? Have you got what I'm saying? Why is it troubling you so much if you yourself are not still ratchet inside and you have not made peace with that? You understand? You're just that ratted part of yourself. You just push it under the carpet. You know, I just told myself, once I just put on all these clothes, that broken me, that very hurt me, that ashamed me, that humiliated me is gone. Let me just, you know, hide it with all this makeup and, you know, all these cars and all. We push it under the carpet. But it's still there because why? Why am I still disturbed by it? Why am I still disturbed by someone who is materially impoverished? Why am I still disturbed by someone? OK, let's say I'm a girl now. And maybe back in the day, I, I used to go I used to be in the streets and everything. Why am I so disturbed when I see a girl dressed in the kind of way that is a bit lewd? And I see can you mad? look at this shameful girl? Why, why does it disturb me? You? You know, Is anyone, can anyone realize what I'm saying? I'm yeah. on this table. Yeah. Huh?
8: You're disturbed because yeah. it reminds you of your previous self.
0: Remind you. Not your previous self, it reminds you of who you are. <laughs> it's not your previous self. Because for it to disturb you right now, it means that that is who you are right now, but it's under the table. And you have uh. not reconciled that part of yourself with who it is that you're trying to be now. Yeah. And that's why a person. Even though you have all the money in the world, look at the Arabs, you enter their country, you see all of them, they are, you buy all the cars, buy all these dudes, you can see that in their mind, they're still, they still trapped in those days when they were desert dwellers and when they had to beg the whole world to help them that they them to come and invest in us, they're still in that place. And that's why they feel the need to shine and do all these things because psychologically, They have not made peace with that person that they used to be then and who it is that they're trying to be now. They haven't learned how to have compassion, how to embrace that broken aspect of themselves. They are still looking at it like it's filth, like it's something to be rejected, like it's something to be condemned. And every single one of us have those parts of ourselves that we hate to see in the mirror. True or false? Hmm? So true. You know, you can stand on any podium, talk boldly, this and that, you know, but have you come to love that girl that was very afraid? Have you come to love that boy that no one looked at? Have we embraced that part of ourselves? Have we actually sat down to actually look at it? Or do we spend most of our time running away and disguising it with many different costumes? Because if there's no reconciliation inside of us, there can't be any reconciliation outside of us. Because any peace that will be extended outside must be an extension of a peace that has already been established inside and that's why you find many people who are quote unquote doing so well based on people's standard of doing so well only for you to hear them do one shocking thing or say one shocking thing and you're like oh my god where did this come from yes because you know that person was not dealt with. That person was not embraced. That person was not, was not integrated. That person was not reconciled. We became this new personality. You know, We became this new person, we picked up this new life, whether it was a business life, whether it was a religious life, whatever it was. And we walked away from that old person but we do not see how to incorporate that old person in this new person. Sooner or later, that person that you've swept under the carpet, that you said to yourself, ah, this is a shameful thing. I don't want to ever touch it. Sooner or later, that person will come back and spoil your parade. Am I lying? Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. Huh? Look at Nigeria, Niger Delta. I don't uh, you left them behind, you didn't see how to clean them up, you didn't you did arrange them, they will bomb the pipelines. This is the way it is, you know? When you, leave a part of the, when you leave a part of the country impoverished, you leave it, you don't develop it, you don't see how to work on it and you know, deal with those poor places. Those same poor places are the same people that will come back to rob you in the future. This same thing that happens on a large scale, always it, it begins with us as individuals psychologically speaking and especially a lot of us now who are beginning this journey with God and trying to start a new life and picking up a new identity oftentimes we think picking up this new identity means hating everything that we once were and despising it this can be we have to know how to have compassion on our own selves. We have to know how to look at ourselves in the mirror for all the things that we have done and see how to integrate that old person that you were with who it is that you are you are now and who it is that you are becoming. You know, I want to tell us a story, but before I do so, Fumilai, do you have a question
8: yeah sorry i was a little late so maybe you might have answered this in the earlier portion but you were talking about integrating who you were before with who you are now and thing is that i, I i'm sorry i just can't see that ever happening because a big part of me even coming to god was you know god promises that the, the old you do you get what i mean dies and the new you comes back so like isn't that person dead Like, isn't that nature dead? Like, why would you want to reconcile it?
0: So when we talk about reconciliation, you know, I want to give you an example. I'll tell you a story, you know. Like I wrote the other week when I talked about how my transformation story, and I wrote about how the things I used to get into, just the normal crazy party life and all these things that most people get involved in, you know, so. For the most part, that was my that was my thing. I love to go around. I love to be promiscuous. I love to just quote unquote play and all these things, you know. So that was my thing, and that was what God pulled me away from, you know. And so for the long for the longest time, I've been away from all those things. I've I cut, I cut off a lot of my old friends. I stopped talking to a lot of people. I just distanced myself, you know. I distance myself. And in that space of distance, you know, God started to build my own personality in him, my character, my new nature, and all that, and all that. So two, three weeks ago, one of my housemates, my friend who we have our house together, it was his birthday, right? And he was like, Oh, bro, oh, it's my birthday on Saturday, you know. I want to have a little party, get together. I'll so love it. If you come, please come please, bro, I know you don't like to go out much, just come for my first you know. Ah! In my mind, I said, I know what that party (laughs) is going to involve. I don't want to be in such an atmosphere. (laughs) You know. And um, God told me, of what use is everything that I have been doing in you, if you cannot sit down in a party for two hours, and I said, "Oh my!" When God said that to me, I said, "Okay, let's go." You know, Miriam, your yes, this your yes is very suspect.
3: <laughs> we'll talk, about that. We'll
0: huh? talk
7: about it later.
0: <laughs> so I went there. You know, of course, you know it. It was a party. <laughs> you know. And everyone was all high and I mean, I mean, I remember I walked in and I talked to my over. I'm like, rookie, where have you been? I'm like, yo, the rookie's back. I'm like, who's bad? <laughs> you know, his like point shot. Say, oh, come and take some shots. I'm like, yo, yo, I'm good. I'm good, you know. So it was all crazy. And everything was like, I don't there in the chair in one corner.
3: I said, Jesus,
0: I was just there in the corner,
3: <laughs> you know.
0: Just trying to, <laughs> just trying to mind my own business, you know. If everyone all comes to talk to me, oh hey, you're cute. Why are you not talking to anyone? Hey, come dance. I was just like myself. I was just like, you know. You know, you got to a point where people were already getting very drunk, started taking off their clothes. I, I just sat down there. I said, "God," <laughs> you know. But I realized something in that moment, you know. I wasn't judgmental of anyone in that room, you know. I wasn't judgmental, you know. I saw them with the smiles and, you know, the drunkenness and craziness, and I really could see them, you know. One girl walked in that used to be an old friend of mine. She saw me, she was shocked because when I saw her, she was very innocent back then. She just came to Dubai, but I saw her now. Her her hair is different colors, tattoo everywhere. I'm like, you know, like, not like, not like there's any evil about it in a sense, but that physical expression tells you how much psychological change has happened to her, you know? So I, I saw her and she came to me, I said, how are you? She's like, yeah, yeah, I'm good, I'm good. I looked her in the eyes. I said, how are you? Are you happy? She froze. She just shook like this and then she got up and she just walked away from me,
3: <laughs>
0: you know? And it got to a point where, you know, I started to realize, you know, it was an environment where God just, he wanted to put me back into where I was, where was my element for me to start to see, for me to see myself because being around, you know, Christian and this, you you don't really get to see a lot of, you need to, he wanted to put me that old element for me to see what I've not been able to see in a long time, you know? And I started seeing even darkness in myself that I didn't know that I didn't know was present because people started to dance, you know, and then and then, um, like oh, Ruki, come and dance with us, come and dance, you know. And in my mind, I'm like, I don't have any issue with dancing, but I didn't stand up to dance with them, not because, not because, not because. Um, I thought, oh, dance is evil or anything. I didn't stand up to dance with them because in my mind, I was like, ah, El Shakar in this party dancing with these people in front of all these cameras. (laughs) You get what I'm saying. That was why I was on my chair. Want to see me on my chair? You think this boy is on his chair because, you know, this, this. No, I was on my chair because, ah, El Shakar. Dancing with these people because 60% of the girls they were all on clad, they were all in bikinis and everything. And if you stand up, they will jump on you, you know. <laughs> I sat on my chair because I didn't want to be seen with this, you know. And in that moment, it told me that a part of me has still not reconciled this old life I used to live with this new life I am living now. Because for Jesus Christ to sit comfortably in a brothel with people who are all crazy and everything, he has to. there has to be a point of relationship between the both of them. You can't sit down in hell if you don't know what hell is like. Do you get what I'm saying? You have to know hell to sit comfortably in hell and not be disturbed. You also have to know heaven to sit comfortably in heaven and not be disturbed. A person who is truly clean, because cleanliness begins by you saying, ah, this is dirty, I can't stay here. But cleanliness is completed when you can sit in that same dirty place and not be disturbed. Because you are so clean that it doesn't matter the dirtiness that is in your environment. It cannot stain you. As a matter of fact, your presence there is what begins to clean that place. That is when one has truly really become clean. When you can sit down in the dark and you being in the dark shines light in that place. You know, That is when you know that cleanness has really started to come. That's the, real, that's the maturity of cleanness. When you can sit down in hell comfortably. And it's even possible that one can enter there and they cannot tell the difference between you and them. Jesus Christ was very comfortable with people who were not, quote unquote, holy, you know. So much so that it looked like he was one of them, you know. Because he had seen in himself all these possibilities of being just like them and he had made peace with it. By making peace does not mean you succumb to that nature. It means that you are no longer ashamed of it being a possibility. You have to know that you are capable of lying, of stealing and cheating for you to have compassion on someone who does so. We have to know it because oftentimes you like to Tell ourselves, you know, forget. It. Oh my God, I'm so bold. I'm so strong. That I've walked away from all that. You know, I'm. I'm not. This person is done. i You know. You know. We tell ourselves all these kind of things. But real strength is not when we are incapable of crying. Is when we know that we can cry. And we move anyway. You know. Because for Jesus Christ to have embraced Mary Magdalene the way he did is because he has also recognized in himself a potential Mary Magdalene. And because he had learned how to love that Mary Magdalene in himself, because you must understand in the wilderness when he was being tempted, the temptations were evidence of desires that his flesh had true or false. True.
4: So
0: true. You know? So sin was a possibility in him. It was. It always was. Did that possibility take manifestation? Maybe not. But sin was a possibility. And he knew it. And he had dominion over it. And it's because he knew of that possibility of sin in him that he could sit down with sinful people because he saw the relationship between him and them. Do we understand that? Huh? Yes, sir. He saw how I and these people are really alike. At the same time, they're not alike because you understand this duality we're talking about now. That's what when we talk about. Real maturity, real growth is a juxtaposition of light and darkness. And the person who has really become light, a whole and integrated light, is a person who also can sit in darkness. There are some places that a Mayweather cannot go because he's not really light, he's still very much dark. He has not, those broken pieces of himself have not necessarily been dealt with. They have not necessarily been, been absorbed into this new character that he has. This new character is a facade is a mask for that broken little boy 40, 30 years ago, you know, and that's why he won't have a particular friend, you know, who like back then, you know, growing up, he didn't have so much, you know, he didn't have a lot and um, he made some money, later part of his life. And if you see him, he's, he's what you call someone that is bougie, you know. If you hold fuck his, any kind of way. Say, oh, my God, don't do that. Maybe, if you, maybe you go to a restaurant and you don't know how to pronounce this particular French dish. Or you would just start to, you know, all this funny, funny behavior. All this thing tells that. That young boy of many years ago who was put down by many people, he hasn't yet made peace with it. He thinks that he has moved past that point. He thinks that he has outgrown that old person. But when you put him in the old environment that he used to be, when you see how he's very disturbed by it, it tells you that he's still that person, but the mask is on his face. Can we understand this? Do we understand?
3: Yes. Yeah.
0: Huh? Before I go forward, Chiamaka has a question.
2: <clears throat> yeah. Um. So I just wanted to ask, um, I put my question in group chat, uh, I said, but, um, isn't there some truth in not being pre- present or being involved in those, of, in those type of situations because of the image you might portray to those who see you as light? So for example, when you said that you were at the party and they said, oh, stand up and dance and blah, 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 you said that the fact that you didn't stand up and dance meant that you hadn't 100% reconciled with the old you because they couldn't, coexist, right? You had to kind of, you felt like you had to separate yourself, but isn't there some truth in you not standing up to dance because you're representative of light or you are light really in that place? I might be wrong.
0: No, you're right. That is true. But you see, my intention was not pure. It was dirty. You get my point. What you said is true. One doesn't want to misrepresent something, but that is not because... I didn't stand up because I was thinking of my (laughs) reputation. Do you understand? That is the darkness. That's not light. Because if you're really light, you don't need to act it. You are light. Jesus Christ would sit down with these people and do, he was drinking, eating, laughing with them. He he, he didn't need, he couldn't take light from him. They stripped this man naked, they beat him. He didn't take his kingship away from him. He was a king. Do you understand? Some of us, if the clothes that we have are taken away, all that sense of value and worth and it's all goes because we never really had it you know yeah because if you really have something it's not what happens externally that defines it it's an internal Mm quality so in that place this is just me sharing my own introspection and i'm saying this to begin to the whole point of me saying all these things is for us to take these stories and begin to use it to also introspect you know because i sat down that chair quiet not because i thought oh man i can't live. i was like man look how these camera's here i don't want to be seen with these people if i was really clean would i think that way i'm asking would i think
1: that way huh no.
0: No. no, No. So so the fact that that thought was present in my heart, so present that it could govern my action in that place, tells me that Hmm. there's still a lot of this thing here that is still inside of you that has not been dealt with. And the fact that you've been physically away, away from this for so long does not mean that it's completely been dealt with. Because we think that just because we're not infatuated by something that we are pulled to go and do it, it means that infatuation has two faces. The first face is one, one wanting to grab onto something so much. The second face is one detesting something so much because both is they are both infatuation. It's like a person, right? You have a friend. Either you are talking about him negatively or talking about him positive, but you are talking about him, true or false? So for the fact that you are talking about this person, whether for good or for bad, it tells you that you are infatuated by them, true or false? True.
3: True. True.
0: So you cannot put all your attention on something positive or negative if you are not infatuated by it. So in some regards, I saw that I was able to Really see the people I could, because for the, I wasn't disgusted. I wasn't. I wasn't um, uh, condemning. A lot of the thing I was feeling, for the most part, was compassion. And for me to have felt compassion, it it's it, it, in that moment it, it, I saw for the first time that oh wow. I have really started to grow out of this because you you can't know if you have grown until you're put back in that same place that you failed. Does that make sense? When you know you've grown is if you're put back in the same circumstance, but your reaction is different. That's how you know growth has happened. It can only be by you going back to that same circumstance of yesterday and your reaction to it is different. If you're still doing the same thing, in the same circumstance, it means that nothing has really changed. You can only know you have grown by how you do things differently in a particular situation that happened before, you know. So, in that place, I realized a new kind of devil, the devil of reputation. <laughs> I said, Wow, I didn't think this was <laughs> this was a thing, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's an extreme scenario because I mean it was. It really was a very, it was a wild, it was a wild party. And it was a wild party. And, uh, but still, if I was really light, if I really was light, why would I have been ashamed? Because I was ashamed to be seen around them. I was ashamed. If I was really light, why would I be ashamed to be in that midst? You know. So that served as a kind of platform me to really introspect and begin to see myself, you know, and it really gave me a picture of what is my what future my hold. Maybe this is how God wants me to go and you know minister to people and actually can sit down with them in their you know whatever space they are and so blending that they might think that oh my God this guy is just like us because in truth I'm ju- uh, for you to sit down in the midst of people quote unquote darkness you have to also be accept that that darkness in you is under complete dominion doesn't make sense. Oh, yeah. Yes, it does. Huh? Yeah,
3: completely.
0: Yeah. For, for someone to be a fraudster, right? It takes a level of intelligence. For you to swindle people of their money, you have to be intelligent, right? Now, if you convert from the fraudster job to a, an empower, whatever, whatever, it's not that same intelligence you use for fraud that you begin to use for a good thing. I'm asking. Yes. Yeah. This is what reconciliation looks like. So that intelligence I was using to defraud people yesterday, I was using to commit crime, instead of me committing crimes, I now take it and start to do something productive. And this also applies to the different things that happened to us as children, as young boys, young girls, you know, all those traumas, all those experiences that we had, that brokenness that pain that sorrow is that thing that very place that very those very quote-unquote shameful parts of ourselves that actually enable us to relate with people you know because for example you see a lot of people today you know submit um supporting the lgbtq community saying why are you always talking down on these people don't do this don't talk to them like that blah 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 it's not necessarily because they are pro-gay or anything like that it's because most of those people can identify with people who are perceived to be oppressed because they themselves have been oppressed does that make sense
7: Yes, sir.
0: When we watch movies, don't you always love to see the person who was an underdog rise above all the bullies and defeat all of them? Don't you love to see that? You know, we don't enjoy to see the bad guy always putting everyone, except we are that kind of person. But generally, because most of us have been on. Because most of us have been on the underdog side of life, right? Because of that underdog side of life, It makes us able to see people who are also underdogs and empathize with them. And that's why everyone loves the person who falls down and rises back up because most of us can identify with falling down true or false. So is that part of ourselves, you know, that enables us to actually see people, to actually recognize people, to actually know people. And this is the part that oftentimes we want to run away from. We don't want to look at in the mirror, you know? Because every single one of us here, we know ourselves. Even though we come out in public and we all talk bold and this, we know ourselves. And we know how timid and afraid and shy we really are. It's important we don't bury that. It's important we allow God to bring all those things to the forefront so he can teach us how to harness it, you know. Like we spoke about before, about two weeks ago, meekness, according to the Bible, is not a person who is incapable of danger. It's someone who is very dangerous but has that danger under control. Does not make sense? Does it make sense? Yes,
8: it does.
0: Because Jesus Christ's sacrifice didn't have... If he wasn't capable of leaving the cross at any time, if he wasn't capable of abandoning the mission, if he wasn't capable of throwing everything away, if he wasn't capable of doing that, then his sacrifice wouldn't have meant anything. The sacrifice meant something because he was capable of living there whenever he wanted. That's why when um, Peter caught off the ear of the servant of the high priest, he said, don't you think I can call 12 legions of angels to solve this problem? I can't. So I'm not here because I don't have the power to do something. I'm here because this is what I want to do. You know. And it takes one Becoming, because if, if he had not become aware of, because for example now, maybe, as, as, um, maybe people have always bullied me most of my life. People have always cheated me. People have always lied to me, you know. I've always been another dog. If a circumstance comes, that in that circumstance, The only way for there to be peace is for me to look like a fool. And I haven't reconciled with me being foolish in the past. In that moment, do you think I'll be able to play a fool to solve the problem? No. No. And that's why you have a lot of people who claim to be tough and say, oh, I don't budge, I don't budge, but really they're afraid. Because, you see, they can't look foolish because they are, they are still the foolish person of yesterday. Do you understand? Because when everyone begins life foolish, you know, and from our foolishness, we gain wisdom. When we gain wisdom, wisdom teaches us when the time now comes to be a fool by choice. Make sense? Do you see everything as a circle? You know? Yeah. We begin foolish, we become wise, and now we choose when to be foolish. That is when the person has really become wise. When you have the power to choose when to be foolish. You are a real winner when you've gotten to the point when you have the power to choose when you lose. That's what what makes a master chess player, right? Because they are really masters and because they know their game, they know how to lose. They know when to lose this pawn. They know when to lose this bishop. They know when to lose this rook. And they will do it by themselves. And you think you're in control because you are collecting this, but you don't know that they're the ones that give it to you because they're not ashamed of loss. They're not ashamed of failure. They have reconciled it with themselves. And that's why when the time comes to be either of the two, they can do it at peace. Because if Paul was so attached to the, the, the because he was a Pharisee and Pharisee was a prestigious position back then, you know, you can liken him to a PhD holder who was also probably rich. And if, he, if he was so attached to all that, he would not have been able to carry out the mission that God had for him. And also, it's very possible, right? That one will walk away from all that material prowess and all those things, and they don't see the importance in it. And when the time comes for you to also be a king, because you've despised that kingly nature because of what it made you do, you know, because you've not been able to see the truth in it, when the time comes for you to be a king again and for you to stand your ground, you find yourself unable to do so. Do you understand that?
7: Yes, yeah, sir. So there must be balance, yeah.
3: There,
0: there must be balance. Because if we're very low people, right, and we walk out of it to become high, but we have not reconciled that low nature in ourselves, any time we see anything low, we will despise it. We don't want to go near it. We don't want to touch it. You know, because it just reminds us of everything that we to away from, and we're still very terrified of it. On the inverse, if we we're very high people before, and then we come low. If we see anything high, we start to despise it. So oh, this is now look at you, you are saying your am busy. Can we relate? Yeah. Do we know anyone like that? You know, or have <laughs> we are we seen ourselves like that before? <laughs> 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 <Huh>? <laughs> You know, you want to say something for me?
8: Oh, sorry, accident. Just
0: Before we go forward, what are our thoughts, comments, questions thus far? Before we go forward, anyone?
7: Um, I kind of remember one time last year when I just got to school and I was taking a walk at night and it happened to be like, I don't know, freshers night or something that they were doing I was taking a walk and just meditating and then these guys just walked up to me and they were talking to me originally I was just going to ignore them and keep walking but they kept talking and passing comments so I turned around and I asked them how the night was going and they said they wanted to talk to me and I said it was fine but I was going on a prayer walk and they could join me and so they, they were mocking me but they decided to and we just kept walking and they started passing comments about how I'm praying in tongues and I'm wearing an anklet on my ankle, <laughs> mm.
3: <laughs>
7: and uh, how can you be dressed like an Asherah apparently and be preaching Christ? And I was so hurt; like it really hurt me, it hurt me deep. I was like, I don't even understand how this this doesn't match up. But I stopped and I was I was praying and the Holy Spirit asked me to minister to these these boys and I held their hands and I asked them if I could pray for them. And they said, they were confused, but they said, okay. And I prayed and prophesied and I left them and I continued walking. And from that time to like, even though like I still had struggles throughout the semester and throughout that year later with my faith, every time they saw me on the road, (laughs) they would stop. It will greet me, how are you, how are you, how is school, how is everything? And then I'll keep going and I'll just smile and be like, wow, <laughs> wow, this is amazing. So like when I think back to things that I I used to do wrong and because I I'm um, I figured out really early that parties were not my thing and even though I was, I, I'm this energetic person, M for energy and everything, I can't, I can't abide parties <laughs> <laughs> but I realized conversations were my bane. Ah, I can't talk. I can't talk. <laughs> it's a gift. <laughs> it's a gift. And so I conversations became like, they were my struggle also because they were the things that I did not know how to put a boundary to. I'll be talking with somebody and they will switch up the conversation, say to something sexual and I will not be able to redirect it or to just cut it short also. Yeah. And let putting me in situations that I did not want to be in. And so early this year, the Lord shut down a lot of things for me where I wasn't talking, I wasn't on any group chats and WhatsApp that it had nothing to do with church or Bible. Hmm. I wasn't reading any books that were not Christian, no Christian, no non-Christian content. I wasn't watching TV for like about three months. And I thought it was going to go on like forever. I really did. <laughs> but um, I started pulling back into these things. And then I joined this group chat and it was something like, what i used to be used to before where um, young people would just come and say whatever and i wanted to leave like i was just i could not um i could not connect to it anymore i just wanted to leave and pull myself out and i remember something that one of my big brothers said you just said something like that just just nice he said you cannot shine light in light you shine light in darkness and the holy spirit said i should stay and I was wondering, why? At first, I thought it was due to the fact that I was starting a new business and I would need clients and it's not only Christians that, that would patronize me and all of that. But that was not it because I, w- I found that I started to engage in conversations and funny and crazy things, most of them were of a sexual nature. But I'll end up entering the conversation and using to educate them because I, my mom was um, a family planning nurse for um, a large part of a career. So, I, I, so a lot of that knowledge. And I was mentored by a sexologist for two years. So it's a, it's a, it's a, um, it's a topic that I, t- I have a really broad knowledge of but not intentionally, I just sort of absorbed. And you find that young people have no understanding of most of these things, the simplest things like how to protect themselves. And I would be disseminating this, this girl, you're yeah, experienced though. But it did not take Jesus to start to enter the conversation. And every, and he came up every time somebody was trying to trying to ask if I'm single or not. Somehow he just did. It did not take long for everybody to know that this is, a, this is a Jesus' bit, And they were fine okay. with it. They were fine with it. And it, 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 it showed me another part of how I could just, like you were saying, integrate who I was or, and with who I am and how I'm growing. And it's just been beautiful because now I'm talking to people that uh, crisis of faith talking to people that have struggles with masturbation because I can relate with them. I can talk to them about these things and feel no shame because we can relate. They understand that I'm human. Yes, I love Jesus and I'm crazy about him. And I have all these experiences, but I have had these struggles too and it's okay you can come through, you can walk through all of this. And that is where I start to understand what you were saying. And that was why my yes was so loud. Because <laughs> Amen. Exactly. So I'm just going to go now. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Does anyone else have a thought, comment, question?
4: Yeah. So, um, with money, I would have times when I would be in extreme lack, like when I say extreme lack, not eating for two days lack. And I know every time I got to that point where there was nothing anymore, I would just go into panic mode. All the, oh, I trust God, no plan B, no plan C. I would throw all of that out of the window. And start calling everybody I could think of to help me. I wasn't calling them. It was later on, I realized. But at the time, I wasn't calling them because, uh, I not because I, I, I wanted God to help me through them, but because I didn't trust God enough to help me or, you know, to come through for me. So when money would come, eventually, I would go back to my, oh, Jesus, I trust you. Yeah, my plan A, no plan B, no plan C, and all of that.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And time and time again, whenever I would go back to not having anything, I would go into school panic mode, worrying, you know, crying myself to sleep, asking God, you know, why? Why am I going through this?
3: Mm-hmm. Even
4: till a few weeks ago. But this last time, This really recent time, when I just in the last two, within the last two months, when it started to happen again, for the first time in my entire life, I told God, I said, "If this is how we want to die, let us die. No problem." (laughs) And I, I was, it was, it was hard. It was still difficult. Sometimes I would be thinking, i sure you, you should not call this person." And so, because I knew that these thoughts were thoughts that I had accumulated for years, you hmm.
3: know,
4: I knew that they were coming up because those are the things I had allowed to have free reign of my life. And then I would just say it aloud to God and say, "God, these thoughts, I don't like them. I don't want them. They're not mine." You know, I don't want to call anybody, and if I call anybody, I only want to call them because I believe that you will use them to bless me, not because they have become my 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 uh my backup for you. You know, you can't, I can't be having Jesus backup. <laughs> you get
3: yeah, of course. So,
4: but and it's not like anything really happened though. Nothing happened. The God did not miraculously provide. <laughs> <laughs> it did not miraculously provide anything, though. Even when I was still not doing the whole trust, but now it—I am so full of joy. Like I'm not scared. I'm not. Hmm. So for some people, it's like, oh, okay, you not finally trusted. The money now finally appeared. <laughs> no, <laughs> it did not appear. Oh. I'm still <laughs> inside the dark, but I'm in the dark with a smile on my face. I mean, it's dark with like, yo, nigga, whenever you're ready, I'm ready. You know, I, I did reach out to some people, but it was no longer that whole panic, whole hundred people and say, ah, I need to help right now. If you don't help me, I'm a dad. <laughs> no, but it has come to a point where, you know, it's like when we talk about <laughs> <laughs> the Hispanic views, well, God will bring opportunities your way at opportunity to look at the greatest fears and look them in the face and say, I got you, I've, I've got you in dominion, like I have dominion over you, that mm. kind of situation. And it has happened in other scenarios, but with money, it has been one of the most recurring aspects this kind of um dynamic and hearing you say the things is like you're know, bringing us face to face with these things and giving us several opportunities over and over again to
0: confidence your microphone will mute
4: deal with oh because I was done <laughs> sorry.
0: oh okay 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 I'm sorry. okay so no far. <laughs> Oh, thank you for that. Thank
4: you. You know, the way you said, I broke, I'm done. I've learned.
0: <laughs> There's no problem. Chidera, <laughs> please go ahead.
1: Okay. Hi, everybody. Hi, car Um, My question is, how does, okay, based on what you talked about, I know that that was, you know, God- leading you to go for a party but you know there are times where you find yourself in a place for example um maybe a restaurant and Mm. you know there's a there's a there's a there's music in the background and the music is circular now I'm coming Mm. from a place of defilement right Mm. um my question is there are things. How do you know? <laughs> I don't really know how to um, put the question, but um, we all—I know for a fact that there are things that we eat, things that we see, things that we hear that defile us, right? So yeah. how, in how do we know these things? You know, like you, like you said, you went for a party, and that was you know God leading you and stuff but you're listening to circular music you know hmm. and there's something going on in your spirit there's a defilement going on in your spirit but like you said hmm. god led you so <laughs> so yeah i don't know if you understand where i'm coming from but i, I understand don't know how what you're saying. the question yeah but that's what i've been um you know my my spirit has been going to the past couple of days and i just want to hear your take and you know, every other
0: person's okay. take on it. Okay. Thank you. So I'll say that in war, retreat is very important, you know. One must understand the purpose of a retreat. A person retreats in order to gather strength, in order to go back and fight the war. We don't retreat. We don't retreat and never fight again. We retreat to get strength so that that very place that defeated us yesterday, we can go back and defeat it. But that retreat space is also important, you know? And it could be for a long time, it could be for 10 years, it could be for 15 years, you know? The point is not going to a particular place. It's also not not going to a particular place. It's about that place not having a hold on you. It's possible for you to never go somewhere, but that place still has a hold on you. Do you And it's possible for you to go somewhere and that place will have a hold on you. The problem is not you going or not going. The problem is the hold, right? And that hold is as a result of your deep relationship with that thing. You know, because if something doesn't have a hold on you, it doesn't matter what might be your environment. It doesn't make any difference because if I'm not a drug addict, if I'm not, if I've never been hooked on cocaine before, no matter how much cocaine you pour on the floor, I, it can't really disturb me because there's no relationship between me and cocaine. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So no matter how much cocaine you pour on the floor, you, you feel the whole, I can't get disgusted. Please, can you please clean my room? But for someone who prior to that moment has established a deep relationship with that cocaine, In that moment, all kinds of wars are going on inside of him. Not because of the cocaine, but because of the relationship that he has established with it. You understand? Right. So, if if there will be any problem, it will be the bond that we still have with a particular thing. And because of that bond, God can tell us to stay away because of that bond, God can also tell us to go and face it. It's not about staying away, it's not about facing it, it's about breaking the bond. Do you get what I'm saying?
1: Yeah.
0: So, if there's no bond, as a boy or a girl, I can decide to move on my clothes and walk on the street. Should be told. Because, I mean, you go into the Amazon forest, the people there, they don't wear clothes. So, you cannot say that removing clothes is sinful. Do you get my point? You also cannot say that. Wearing clothes is holy. What makes a person holy or sinful is the state of their hearts when they wear or remove their clothes. Makes sense?
1: Okay.
0: okay. You know, so there are a lot of people who are wearing clothes, but in their clothes, they are slaves. There are a lot of people who are removing their clothes, and removing their clothes, they are still slaves. Because the only reason that they're doing it is because they're trying to prove a particular point to someone, they're not free because they don't have control, you know.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So the point nothing going there the point is nothing not going there the point is breaking that bond and there are different ways that god might put a person to go about doing that like i said i've been away from this for two years it's not if like i'm not going to party every weekend no you know i've been away from that for two years and that was the first time i've been in such an environment for a long time and it served as a kind of like well, a training ground, the mirror, for God to have me to see a lot of things. But we'll get one thing straight. For the fact that I was in that environment, you must understand that. That environment has its aura, right? And it has its, like you say, quote unquote, defilements that will make me, when I get home, I have to increase my, um, what's the word? My, uh, will I say prayer, my, my devotion because i have invited into my space something that is contrary so because of that i have to create something in myself that is a counterbalance does that make sense Mm -hmm. so i can't just go there and come back home like nothing happened no a lot happened because you just expose Mm -hmm. yourself to something that is contrary to you so for that for that reason Mm -hmm. you also have to do certain things to make sure that you counterbalance what has just happened oftentimes people don't do that you expose yourself to a lot of negativity but you don't start to increase the positivity in yourself because it's not mathematics. It's not mathematics. For darkness to consume your light it means that the darkness has more soldiers than your light has soldiers. Does that make sense? Yes. So that's one looks at it that way. So if God tells you to run away, it's because that darkness has more soldiers than you have light, right? Mm. So he says, hey, right. this battle, you, are not, you don't have enough. Your army is not strong enough to defeat this, so don't go there. But the time will come when your army is strong enough. And what tell so you go there and sit down there and you fight a real war. And then when you dominate that thing, you come out victorious and now nothing no longer has any power over you. So it's a it's matter of balance. You
3: know. You. Yeah. you know. Thank you. You're
0: welcome. You're welcome. Susu. Wow, Susie, your question is deep. (laughs) I think it's not just parents, but you see, as people, even we project all our own traumas on everyone we meet. You know, it's 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 when we have not come to terms with who with all the aspects of ourselves, when we haven't created a reconciliation in ourselves, and like I said, I'm going to really explain it more. I'm just waiting for this round of questions to finish. Then I'll now start to explain it properly, you know. But if one hasn't seen, seen themselves for what they really are, if one hasn't made peace with once upon a time, I didn't have food to eat, I was struggling, you know, once upon a time I was sold to... Being a house help once upon a time, I was molested, once upon a time, so many things. If one doesn't make peace with all these things, there's no way, no how, we won't start to project it on someone else. Because if a parent, or if as a person now, maybe I wanted to achieve a particular thing in life, maybe architectural, engineer, whatever, When I haven't made peace with the fact that I wasn't able to fulfill it, when I have a child, I will not want them to fulfill that thing which I did not make peace with not fulfilling. Does that make sense? Apart from Sissy, but the rest of us, do we understand that? Yeah? You know? Yeah. So it's not just a parent thing because your parents were once like you. So you also in your own way, you don't know how you're also projecting a lot of your things on people, you know. Um,
9: sorry, um, can you read the question so we know what she asked?
0: Oh, you didn't see it there on the on the on the chats. Okay. She no, wrote. Oh, she wrote, what should one do when their parents project their own childhood traumas on them? That's the question. What should one do? when one projects their own childhood traumas, when one, when one's parents project their own childhood traumas on them. Uh, that's, <laughs> that is a, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, that's, that question would really take us, right now, I, I will, maybe later on in the conversation we can probably venture into it because it, it really takes us in a different um, direction, but, I want us to, first of all, just talk about ourselves for now, you know, and how we also do the same things to quote unquote people. But one thing is for sure, when we have not made peace with our own failures in life, you know, when we haven't seen the value in our failures, when we haven't seen the value in our mistakes, anyone we meet, we want to also want to correct that mistake in them. You know, if we had a failed relationship with a boyfriend or a girlfriend, the new one we meet, we want to correct everything that went wrong in this relationship and it it just, it just doesn't work out, you know, but yeah, um, Eki, hands raised.
9: Hey, good evening everyone.
5: Good evening. Okay,
8: so um, someone else, someone was speaking earlier, and I just wanted to contribute to what you said. um something about personal acts about circular music and you know when jesus spoke he was like it's not what comes into a vessel that defiles the vessel something like that okay thought in your heart and you're guilty of rape or guilty of adultery or you can hit your neighbor and you're guilty of murder so we need to always be aware of the state of our hearts because the truth is that we always see life through the perspective of our hearts so like you rightly said, if you've been through an experience, so for a while I used to be very defensive
9: because mm. I always grew up having a defend. So you can
8: ask me. Sorry, your voice is cracking a
0: bit.
8: In my head, I'm thinking you're trying to you know, take me down, or you know, just because what sorry, you Eki, your voice is breaking a lot. I can't hear you.
0: I can't hear you. Your voice has been cracking the whole time.
3: Eki, are you there?
0: Hello? Eki, I think your network is not so well. I can't hear you. Okay. Before she comes back, because she went off, um, Kauna, how about you?
10: Um, good evening, everyone. Good evening. I hope you're doing well. Um, concerning um, our traumas as individuals and projecting our and other people I said as children have been hurt in certain
2: ways, you know.
10: It might not even be our parents, it might be our teachers in primary school. Um, in secondary school, I had this teacher who always tell us, um, we can never know anything, that we are not smart, we are just blockheads. And well, probably for me, probably because my, my dad will always affirm me that he taught and everything. But looking back now, I kind of feel bad for some of my classmates and people around me.
4: Hmm. Hello.
0: Can, I can hear your voice your, your voice has gone off. Hello can are you there? Hmm. The network is so bad this evening. Or is it me? Can't hear her. There's no <laughs> use.
3: It's not you. Anybody wants bad. to stop somebody? So
0: yeah. Connor, your network is not so well. I can't hear you. Or maybe if you could type it. Okay, Lavake, you you had your hand raised earlier.
11: Okay, can you hear me mm-hmm. okay i will just open my network i just had to wanted to share something um that i find myself many times trying to you know stick with one template you know mm-hmm. that uh, at one time i felt this is not good i shouldn't do this then i just want to run with that this becomes bad for me forever oh i'm not watching movies these movies again i'm not listening to this music again and it's just funny, like from what um, everyone has shared and from what, what you shared today, I just wanted to point out that really the, the leading of the Holy Spirit is very important because there are some times, like you said, there are some times when God will say you should go face something and there are times when he will say you should stay away from something. So um, at many times, it something may be, God may want you to okay, go, out, go and be around that person right now. Sometimes he will be saying, uh, okay, this is not who you should, you shouldn't be here right now. But I mm-hmm. used to find myself always looking for one, you know, one template that I want to run with. And funny, funny and very, um, very, <laughs> um, the very funny part is I will now be trying to put that on other people. I will mm-hmm. be doing it so much. Oh, I'm not doing this and you too, you must not do it. So it has taken... Mm-hmm. Like, every day I just see, oh, God, I really do have a long, long, long way, you know, long ladder to climb. And <laughs> so I just wanted to share that too, that the Holy Spirit's leading, you know, is very, very keen in this, our journey, this process of, oh well, yeah, you need to let the Holy Spirit tell you, to, you need to ask the Holy Spirit a lot of times. Like, I will be feeling guilty if I just watch a movie, I will sit down and be condemning myself because I watch female. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, I just wanted to share that.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's good to know. Like for me, if you ask me, I'll say there's no music that is good. There's no music that is bad. There, however, are music or kinds of music that are not good for you. And there are kinds of music that are good for you. I just like to look at everything as from the standpoint of myself. I don't want to call anything good or bad, but I can tell you something is not good for me. Something is bad for me, you know. I can play a particular song now. I won't call him a bad person. I won't say this his music is upset. I won't say anything like that. But as I'm hearing the song and I'm hearing the beat and I'm hearing the spirit in which the song was cultivated, I recognize the kind of nature that is making, that, it's, that is evolving from me. And I know that this song that I'm listening to doesn't benefit me in the path that I want to walk in, you know. Because everyone has to know the path that they are walking on. Everyone needs to know where they are going in life. And when you are able to identify where you are going, you have to know the things that help you get to your destination, and you have to know the things that impede you from getting to your destination. There's no movie that is bad. There's also no movie that is good. However, for the trajectory in life that I'm going, I know certain movies don't help me get there. They make it more difficult. I know some songs. I won't call them bad. I won't call them good. But based on where I'm going, they won't help me get to my destination. They will impede me. Does that make sense? Huh? Yeah. Does it make sense? So,
9: Yes, 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 it does, it you know does, but <laughs> it's, uh, um, okay, so this is a very strong table you're standing on, because, so, maybe because of the kind of school I went to and all that, we grew up with this, this is good, this is bad, don't stay in the middle, God says black and white, so i'm hearing so judge everything from your perspective and i'm feeling a bit of resistance because of where i'm going okay so so i went to covenant let let, let us start from there i went to covenant and covenant secular music is bad straight up bad don't listen to it because it doesn't edify it's not good for you so if i say now okay, I, I, I tell someone else, this song is not good for me. And they ask me, okay, so what about me? Is the song good for me? <laughs> is the song good for me? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> do you do you, do you, do you get what I'm saying? It's like,
3: yeah.
9: if I'm telling someone from my own perspective, this song oh, is not good for me. And then I'm being asked, okay, so what about me singing? Me, damn, I, I enjoyed the song, is it good for me? Because you cannot say this is good for you and it is and it is and it's bad for somebody else or it's bad for someone else and it's good for you. You have to have I don't know there's this there's this kind of extension that I've been trained with if it is straight line it's straight line for everybody. This is the map once you pass it on the other side. So having to now um, have this inbuilt test system where you it's actually true run your race, finish your get to the end, to your crown is your it's a personal thing you're working out here but I don't know how to explain it <laughs> I think I've been rambling understand but you. I really hope you understand, understand what you. I'm
3: saying I <laughs> okay.
0: understand you so I mean like the reason I'm saying this is to help us to not go around labelling everything around us as criminals, criminals, criminals you are bad, 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 you are bad you know? for example now Cake is cake a bad thing in general? I'm asking. It
9: kind of no, is. it's not. Not yeah.
0: necessarily. It's, it's
9: not. No. People who have low low blood sugar need cake.
0: No, mm. don't even let's not let's not even go into just general. It's cake not is really a bad the thing. Is it evil? Uh-huh. Nothing wrong with it. But if you are a supermodel, maybe you are Jisobunchin or uh, Naomi Campbell or whatever, is cake good for you? No, No. right? Because it doesn't help you get to where you're going. So in her trajectory in life, cake is Satan. It's it's Satan she has to avoid. You know? Mm It's not like Cristiano Ronaldo now. There's some stuff he just doesn't eat. There's some stuff he doesn't put into his body. For example, Floyd Mayweather doesn't drink at all. At all. He doesn't ever put alcohol into his system because in his field of work, it doesn't benefit him. Do you get what I'm saying? So... As far as it's concerned, in where it's going to in life, this particular thing here doesn't help me. And I'm staying away from it. Not judging anyone who does it, that's your business. But as for me and where I'm going to in my life, this particular thing doesn't help me. Why am I saying this? Because the time I come that something that Because everything doesn't have to be, because now secular music is what most people can generally agree on. Have you not seen people who go to tell them, listen, you're only going to eat this particular thing for the next one month. Have you not seen those kind of situations before? where God to put someone on, on that kind of regiment or give some kind of restriction, you know? In that time, whatever it is that God has told them to do is what is good for them. Anything outside of that, because, okay, for example, me, for example, when God told me to give away all my clothes, at that point in time, anything that looked like that was evil. Doesn't mean that clothes or whatever, those things are evil in themselves. But for me, at that point in my life, that was not good for me because of how attached I was to it. Does that make sense? Yes, it uh, does. Yes.
11: yes.
0: So... Secular music is something that most people can generally agree on, but as we start to get close with God, it starts to it can get more intricate. He can say, Hey, this particular friend, you're no longer going there. But by all standards, this person is a decent person and whatever. But maybe because that person, whenever you're around them, you know, maybe that person always gives you what you ask for, that person always nice and kind to you, and you are in a place where God wants to teach you a kind of independence. At that point, that person becomes bad. For you, that person can be bad for you, but could be good for another person. But for you, is bad. That's what I'm saying. This, so that because that's why Christians today we are condemning anyone if you don't, because it's in the Bible when Paul talked about how don't allow your um, um, your faith become a stumbling block for another person. You know,
3: yes. You know this yes. particular
0: person, they don't eat food, quote unquote, sacrifice to idols. You know, for their conscience, that's a big deal. Don't say because for you it's free for you to do it that you will not take that into consideration and you know you now going to start eating in front of them you know things like that everyone has to know individually what is good for me what is not good for me and just operate with that standpoint it will help you to not be judgmental because today christianity is very judgmental even apart from like the general things that we agree on you know some people they'll tell you how so if you're not fasting at least three times a week, your Christianity is a, is a sham. You know, you're not, you never started doing a bit us. Don't we see that around, you know? Yes. Huh? Uh-huh. And then, you know? So for that person, maybe God told them you must fast three times a week and for them it's very good. You understand? If they don't do that, it's bad for them because God told them you must fast three days every week. For them it's good. But for you, God didn't ask you to do that. And you're not evil because... You are not doing that. So this is the way. I'm just. It's just. It, one doesn't have to take what I'm saying. I'm just giving a suggestion, you know, so that we can be less judgmental towards people. Some people go to tell them, "Hey, there was a time in my life where God told me not to eat red meat, and I didn't eat red meat for months. I was only eating chicken and fish. That was what it was." And the, I, I mean, now I know the reason why he said that for some reasons, but. That's what they told me then. Will I now go and tell anybody ah? Because there's some people who become vegetarian evangelists, you know, because you have started to go vegan, everybody must follow you. Why should I follow you? You want to do it, it's fine, you enjoy your business by yourself. Why do I need to, you know, now you want to criminalize me because I'm not I'm not following your vegetarian religion? It's life, it doesn't work that way, you know. I get that. So I hope I'm not i anybody still. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. Everybody, everybody has what is profits them and it's good for them. And if you know what's good for you, you do it, you know. So just to help us, you know, start to see things a bit differently. So, as you are now, God can tell you now it's very possible. Time can come. One of you here, God will tell you it is time for you to leave heaven's gates. And I tell you, when God says that to you, you must get up and go. You have to, because that's what he has said. And he knows why he has said it. And you have to do it. Do you know what I'm saying? In that moment, that is what is good for you. In that moment, that is what is best for you. But it might not be best for someone else. Do you understand? Because there can be some times where you are in a particular church, and you've reached the point where it's time for you to get up and go. For you. For some people, that church is still doing the work in their lives. Why are you going to now go and pervert their mind and telling you, do you get what I'm saying? Life is not that rigid, that it, everything must go only one line. So a particular institution, for example, now see Kanye West and this stuff he started last year. You know? For someone, it, like maybe at this stage, Kanye West is like, like, I mean, that is like, you know, entry and whatever, you know. I, I don't need Kanye West, I don't need that personally speaking, I don't need him to, I, I don't need that. But there's some people who really need that. And seeing this particular guy who was, you know, the, the, the star boy, you know, the this and that, you know, seeing him come out and call Jesus. For some people, that, that really opens the gates to really make them walk in that direction. I'm not saying Kanye West is perfect, but some people need to see that very perfect guy calling Jesus for them to actually take the bold step. Do you get what I'm saying? Now, the fact that I don't need Kanye West to follow God doesn't mean I should start condemning anyone who, is, who some people need it. You know, we can't start to be so that it, I'm just saying this now to help us to be less condemning and less judgmental because there's a place for everything. You know, people condemn different people's ministry. Some ministry. I mean, for the ministries that have been here for this long it's doing something. Why don't you just mind your business? Except God tells you to go and talk about your whatever, but if God didn't send you if God says leave there, you leave there and mind your business. You know, why must you force everyone to follow you in your direction? You don't need to do that, you know. So, I'm just saying this now to help us to begin to reorient our minds towards selling things like this. Though we've really gone off tangent, but I'd like to bring us back to um, what we're talking about. So, before I do that, let me just answer Kauna and then we we'll move forward. So, Kauna, go ahead, please.
1: Kauna, are you there?
3: Yes,
10: I'm there. Um, okay. I think he kind of says a lot. Sorry. Can I like talk later on?
0: Okay, no problem, no problem. So, yes, we're still talking about reconciliation. I was just talking about the Trinity. I want us to understand when we say the Trinity, you know. When we just say Father, Son, Holy Spirit, I want us to understand what it means when they say Father, Son, Holy Spirit. These three are one. So right now, I'm talking about oneness. It might look as if I'm not talking about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit because we're so used to those words, but I'm talking about the spirit of it, the essence of it, the nature of it. Do we get that? Huh? Yeah.
8: yeah. It sounds you know? like the Shalom
0: so, conversation. Yes. yes, it's just like the Shalom conversation, you know, wholeness, because... The Trinity represents wholeness, it represents agreement, it represents unity. So I want us to start understanding it on a very deeply personal level. Now, when we talk about reconciliating the light that we are becoming, with the light that, with the darkness that, to a degree we still are, and to a degree we once were. In life, what is important? What is useful are qualities. It doesn't really matter what those qualities express themselves as, what is important is the quality. Let me give an example. There's a story in the Bible of a particular servant who was about to be fired by his master, right? And then Jesus Christ talked about how when that servant was about to lose his job, he decided to now call all the people who owed his master. And he started to clear their debts, clear their debts, clear their their debts, you know. And Jesus Christ said, you see that particular individual, he's very smart because he started making investments for his future before he lost his job, right? Even though what he was doing was quote unquote criminal, Jesus Christ commended his intelligence because that quality that was used to commit fraud is also the same quality that can be used to build the house of God. Do we understand that? Huh?
8: Yeah. Yeah. It's like fraud boys, how they have intelligence to scam people can also be used for something more productive.
0: Absolutely. Because it's still intelligence. And that quality... Is what's important so for example a woman is a prostitute right and from what we've seen about prostitutes based on because i mean generally women because physically they are not as strong as the men fear comes naturally especially with men in the world today who are you know predators and things like that so when a woman is a prostitute she has to deal with a lot of men on a day-to-day and oftentimes men try to abuse them men try to you know, sleep with them and not pay and all these different kind of things. Now, because of that, they have to develop a very strong and hard character that even if they're afraid, they can still speak for themselves. True or false? True. That quality is valuable. And even if she leaves prostitution, she cannot throw away that quality. Do you understand? Yeah. Cardi B is not famous because she removes her clothes on the internet. That's not really why women follow her. I want us to understand this. It's not because of her removing her clothes. A lot of women who see her, they will probably remove their clothes. Why many people are following Cardi B is because of how bold and outspoken she is. Do you understand? How she's not afraid. Hold on, Isherju, hold on, calm down. Look, I want you to understand what I'm saying. Don't get too carried away just get my point i'm talking about equality i'm not here praising cardi you don't get me wrong i'm just trying to explain why many people in the world are following this particular lady why she got so famous this is just me trying to explain psychology of things so it's important that my my point is not missed you know you know why many people are following her because She seems so bold. She's not afraid to challenge anyone. You know, if anyone says anything, she's going to come at you. She doesn't care, this and that. A majority of women in the world today are oppressed and they don't have a voice. True or false?
1: Hi, I'm Cardi, and I'm from the Rocks. Hi. (laughs) Stop,
0: stop, stop, stop. Very true. You know, so many people identify with that. That, oh my God, a woman like me can be this bold, can be this outspoken, can be this confident. Now she might have walked out of the Bronx. She might have walked out of the strip club. She might now be dressed in fancy clothes and everything. But that confidence, that boldness, that fearlessness that she gained in the strip club, she carried it into the Grammys. Do you understand that very, do you understand this analogy on I hope I really just... Uh, this thing is not shaking too much because I know everyone is quiet. And I hope that... Uh...
11: <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. We are getting a lot. We're getting a lot.
3: Getting
8: a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It reminds me of like when I was on a fitness journey and stuff and God was just teaching me about immediate pushing away immediate gratification for a long-term goal. And like me and my friend Ifoma were talking about this and it's like, even though the setting, the form is different. The essence of what I'm learning, immediate, class, a long-term goal over immediate classification, it transcends into every other thing. So I think that's what you're saying
0: right now. Yes, yes. I, don't, I want to understand that I'm not glorifying B. Just like Jesus Christ was not glorifying that servant being a crook. He was talking about that quality of intelligence. I'm talking about how even though she walked out of the stripper life, that boldness, that courage that she gained from it, she took it into the limelight because most people in the limelight, they don't have that kind of courage. They can't speak to the Grammy and say, to hell with you. They don't have the boldness to do it. They can't because they're really afraid. Do you understand? So that boldness It doesn't matter if she's moving her clothes, that's besides the point. They are seeing a deeper thing inside of her, that outspokenness. And that's why many women are attracted to that because most women don't have that voice. True or false? True. Huh? (laughs) You know? said you seem very excited about this. (laughs) you seem to be (laughs) B. it's
11: not that it's just like you said women are very oppressed so i feel like the reason why like you said why B really is like people just love her energy is because she's not afraid to speak her mind and so in a way she just says whatever and people aren't used to that so that boldness is shocking basically
0: Fair enough. I understand it's not a good or a bad thing. it's just what it is, because sometimes that boldness can also lead someone to say things that are not proper and do things that are not, you know, but nonetheless, that quality of being able to speak one's mind is something that is useful, when it's useful, you know, and also it could be maybe when, when one didn't have a lot of money, you know, and when you didn't have a lot of money, it caused you to, you know, do what you have to do to get by, even if it means you have to get on the bus, even if it means you have to take a car, even if it means you have to trek a little bit. These are qualities that are developing in you when you don't have money. The ability to take the bus, which represents you having to do what it takes to get to that particular destination, you know? Get on the bike. If you have to walk about three, four kilometers, you know? That quality, If you carry it into your wealth, won't you handle your business differently, I'm asking? Huh? Yeah, you would. You would. Because imagine a CEO in traffic. You're going for a meeting, right? The building you're going to is just three kilometers away. Okada is moving all over the place. But because you have not reconciled, those days of your life when you were flying bike and jumping inside a bus because you haven't reconciled it because you haven't extracted the value from it you can sit down in that traffic for one hour to reach a building that is just one kilometer away as opposed to getting on that bike and going there does that make sense to us yes sir do you understand because that's a quality that was developed when one didn't have money. Also having to speak politely to people because when you don't have money, you know, you don't want to offend people. So you politeness must come out of you whether you like it or not. (laughs) Now, if one doesn't see the value in that learning of politeness, when they get money they start to become rude to everyone. You know, they don't feel the need to say please. We don't feel the need to say thank you. We don't need to appreciate anyone because, like, ah, I spent all those years always saying, Sir, 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 I'm tired of saying, Sir. When did they didn't learn the value in that darkness, in that, they are, quote unquote, impoverished state, when they didn't learn the value in it, they can't extract the qualities there and use it for good. Are we getting what I'm saying? Because in reconciliation, you take the best things out of the darkness. And use it to empower the light even more. The stubbornness that Paul used to kill Christians is the stubbornness that made him also die the way Jesus Christ did. Well, not the same, they beheaded him. But that same stubbornness that made him go to the ends of the earth to kill Christians is the same stubbornness that made him go to the ends of the earth to preach the gospel. True or false? Huh? True. 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 So that quality... Was important, you know, that quality was important. And because he was able to reconcile who he was with who he had become, he could take the best things of his old life and use it as a platform to power his new life. That's why I give a very basic example of Cardi Understand, I'm not glorifying the life she leads and what she portrays. Please separate form from essence. I'm talking about an essence now. The boldness, the confidence, the tenacity that she learned from being a stripper, she carried it into the castle and it shocked a lot of people. And that's why people love her because in the castle, people are afraid. Everyone is afraid of the king and the king could be so many things. It could be society, it could be people's opinions. She just does not care. Not caring is also not, it's not about about caring. It's also not about not caring. It's about knowing when to care and, when, and knowing when not to care, you know. So in the strip club, she learned, even though she didn't like it, because you know, being objectified, being used, to, it was not a, it was not a decent life, wasn't. But there are things she learned there, qualities, useful qualities, that she started to use when she came out of there. And the same thing applies to us as well, because it's possible. That we might have been in a relationship and let me talk to women now you know as a woman you might have been in a bad relationship with a man and the man was very disrespectful and in that relationship you found that you were always saying yes even though you really wanted to say no and every time you deny yourself you find yourself saying okay i i you know i see his point of view i you know, this is, you know, I don't want it to feel bad. I understand what is going through. I have mean, we, have, we, have, we have we not seen this before?
8: Absolutely. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: So we see a woman who, you know, she says yes to anything because you know, she's very empathetic, very compassionate for her compassion is too much. So much that it begins to open the gate for her to become abused. And, you know, all kinds of things start to go on in her life in that time. Now, if by the grace of God, she comes out of that life of being abused, of being used, of being maltreated, of not being respected, of being just done anyhow. When she does not reconcile that life she had with the new one that she's having now, she will move from the extreme end of someone who said yes to everything, to the other end of what? Aha. Uh-huh. a woman who will say no to everything. And both ends are just as bad. Because as an individual, you have to be able to also see another person's point of view. That quality of being able to recognize another person's pain, even if sometimes their point of view might hurt you. That is a quality that everyone needs to have. And sometimes it's developed in an unfortunate situation. But because we haven't seen the good in that evil that happened with us, we completely threw everything away. And that useful quality that can enable us to empathize with the person we threw it away. Exactly, Fumi Layo you know, from misogyny to misandry, you know. What's misandry? Okay, Andrews. Andrew is man. Okay, yes, yeah, Andrew is man, okay. So misogyny to misandry. So misandry is hating men, isn't it? You know. And today, for example, that is what is, feminism today, quote unquote, not like I'm trying to tackle anybody or whatever, is a table that has a lot of women who have been treated poorly in their relationship with men, and they have now moved from one extreme end to the other. But the fact is, life can be lived on extremes. So at the other end of life, there's another sorrow that is waiting for them there that they don't yet know. And that sorrow will be in the fact that relationships are just not fulfilled because you are saying no to everything. Life doesn't work that way. There's a place to say yes, and there's also a place to say no. If you say yes to everything, the relationship will not be good because you also have to say no to a person to give them a space to grow. You have to deny a person something so that they can learn to accommodate someone who is different from them. If you're always saying yes, it's not good for that person because they don't grow. It's also not good for you because all kind of energy starts to become pent up in you from being denied, denied, denied. You become very resentful. You become very angry. You become very hateful. And it's, it's just ugly. It doesn't benefit you to always say yes to a person. It also doesn't benefit them. But sometimes we find ourselves in a situation where we always say yes, 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 yes. And if by chance we come out of that time in our lives, when we are not able to see the good in that quote unquote evil, we completely discard our ability to say yes. And they move Onto a life of no. And that in itself begins to create its own set of problems. Are we able to relate to what I'm saying? Huh? This picture of reconciliation Sorry. that I'm painting, yes, are we starting so to much. understand it now? Yeah. Hmm? Yeah. Because in reconciling light with darkness, he's taking the useful in the light, and the useful in the darkness. Because it's possible that something that is good can be useless. Do you understand? You can be in a moment where you are so nice and so you are so kind, you know, you're always very generous to people, boys, it a time comes when this particular person, you shouldn't give them what they're asking for. And the moment your kindness gives them something that they don't need, your kindness becomes an evil in that moment. That's when your good becomes evil. Do you understand? So, when we talk about a person is good, if that good is not counterbalanced with evil, that is the good in evil. Because we must understand the balanced vision is the ability to see evil in good and good in evil. And this can only be learned from our own life experiences, you know. Yes, like Solomon said, there's a time for everything, you know. So when I look back in my life that I used to live, you know, deeply promiscuous and, you know, I know, quote unquote, my lust, if I put it that way. I know it to a good degree. I know it because I had fed it before. I had walked with it. I came to know it. And because I have come to know it before, except it comes from a completely different angle, but if it comes in the way that I was used to, I'll be able to spot it from a mile away. Can anyone understand what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Huh? And that's that I learned in hell is also what is helping me now. That ability to discern my own self and also discern a woman as well because women too can also come with the agenda, you know. It doesn't mean that they're planning bad for you, but everyone has what they're looking for, Agenda, you know. And those days, because I had been so, I was so used to, you know, looking for different openings. I would listen to the tone of her voice. I want to know if she's interested in me just from the way she's talking, from the way she touched her hair, because I I, I, I was a predator, quote unquote, and I, I thrived on these cues. Today, if I see it in a woman, I know, okay, this particular lady, though you are coming and you are saying, oh, Jesus, 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 but I know that there's something else that you're looking for. And I've already put on my shield. And that I learned from being in darkness. Do you understand? Huh? Everybody's quiet. (laughs) You know? Leonel said, "I know your plans." <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> you know, because I had seen that in myself before. I had been there, and that knowledge that I gained in the dark is what is benefiting me now in the light. You know, when someone doesn't have money because resources are limited, you are forced to make do with little. You are forced to improvise. This causes you naturally to become intelligent because you are, when you have little to work with, it makes you just naturally become creative, right? And that is a quality that can only be developed in lack. If one understands the good in that, when a person makes money, when they reconcile that with their new wealth, even with all their money, you see that they won't lose their creativity. They won't lose their ability to make sharp, quick, intelligent decisions on the spot with little to no options. Do you understand? Is this helping us to also introspect? Is this helping us in this moment? Huh?
7: Yes. Yes, yes. Because, like, in this pandemic, I left my entire wardrobe in school and I had to making dresses for every Sunday. <laughs> 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 I would mostly on Saturday nights, like, so on Saturday evening, wrestle something together, put together an outfit, and boom, Sunday, slay to church.
0: <laughs> you need to ask yourself, why, who are you trying to slay, um, Miriam? Who are you trying to slay in church? Well, that's a question for you. Don't answer me. It's no? for you. Don't worry. No, no, don't answer I me. Mean, that question is for you. <laughs> You're born with it. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know? In every negative thing that has happened in our lives, it doesn't matter what experience that we might have been through, what we might have gone through, there is something useful in that place that can help us build whatever it is that we have now because it's very, it's so easy for us to just discard where we have come from, discard the past, to become ashamed of it, to despise it, to leave it away. But it's those very things that our strength ought to be built upon, you know. It's there that our strength comes from. And that's why today, like I said, many people are no longer compassionate because compassion is something that is usually abused but the fact that compassion is abused doesn't mean it's a bad thing. It just means that people just don't know how to value it. But the fact that someone doesn't value something does not mean it's not good, you know. And because there's no value for things like compassion and you know empathy, people are now discard it, you know, and feel they're weak when they're able to empathize with someone else you know, and many corporations today, a lot of industries are all built on, you know, no empathy. You know, they don't care if you're pregnant, they don't care if you're sick, they just give you your quota, you must feel it. And that's why everywhere is just, just pain everywhere because empathy is looked as, as though it's weakness because in the history, empathy has always been abused, but that doesn't, you know, One has to balance it, you know. Balancing our ability to say yes with our ability to say no, you know. So, someone asked, how can one reconcile abuse, you know? How can one reconcile abuse? It is very hard to see any good in it. Hmm. okay when we talk about something like sexual abuse something like rape you know which is very heinous and um I can't speak as though I understand it because I don't you know I haven't ever been raped before so whatever I say just comes from you know me trying to associate experiences and things like that so This is not me speaking as though I know what it feels like because I don't. But when we talk about rape, you know. Rape is when a person's power is stolen from them. When their control is stolen from them. I didn't want to have sex with you, but you forced me power is taken, and you just feel helpless. You feel weak. You feel like you're nothing. Because in that moment, you say it doesn't matter. And you're telling this person, stop, stop, stop. And they don't, they don't care what you have to say. They're not listening to you. They're doing what they want. And in that moment, you just feel weak. You feel helpless. You feel like you have no control. That's the terror of rape. And it can express itself in so many ways. Apart from physical sex, it can express itself in so many ways. Nigeria as a nation was raped. A lot of things, virtue was stolen and they just couldn't say anything. You know, control, They didn't have control. The British came with their guns, shot down their cities, bombed these, put them to work. When a person is raped, control is taken away from them. And in that moment, their powerlessness is revealed. And it lets them realize, I don't have control. So this lady asked, she said, how can they be good in something like this? You know? That one, I'm, also, I'm just trying to be careful because, you know, this is, um, This is something that um, is deeply personal for a lot of people, you know. Some of us might have been in such situations, some of us might have known someone who has also been in a situation like this, you know. So I'm just trying not to make the mistake of coming across as insensitive because I am not, you know. However, I would like to answer the question, you know, you know, the way, in a way that, we can learn to see good even in the darkest things, you know. When we engage the world, you know, when we engage, when we engage, when we just enter into this world, you know, you enter into, for, for, actually once you are born, the first thing that one realizes when a person is born is that, I don't have control because you didn't choose the body you are going to be born into. You didn't choose whether you are going to be masculine or feminine. You didn't choose the family that you were going to be born. You didn't choose the country that you are going to be born in. You didn't have, you didn't choose. That's in regards to external things, you know. relating to things on your external, There's really not much control. You can't control when the rain falls. You can't control when it won't. You can't control when the sun will shine. You can't control. You can't control. You can't control the things that are outside of you.
3: You know.
0: You can't control but because of technology and you know the advancement of the world and everything it has started to create an illusion that we can really control that which is outside of us but the only thing that we can control is that which is within and in a moment that power is taken from a person control is taken from a person and their powerlessness for that which is on the outside is revealed. It presents an opportunity for one to have their strength in that which is inside of them. Because take Jesus Christ for example, you know, when he was being stripped naked and all these things were happening. A person who had not come to become at peace with power being taken from him would not have been able to endure that cross. Not saying that one should go around and people should do whatever to you. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying when we are so terrified of losing control, you know? The problem is not losing control, the problem is the fear of it. Because that fear of losing control, that fear of not having power, it can lead a person to commit a lot of things. True or false? What can relate to what I'm saying?
1: True, okay.
0: So let's say one at the age of eight or 11 or 12 happened to have been molested by a friend, a family member and control was taken from you. It's terrifying, realizing my God, so my control can be taken like that. It's painful, it's heartbreaking. And it produces inside of a person a deep fear of ever losing that control again. Now, when they have that fear of losing that control, that fear can make them hurt people who have appeared to help them and build them and just be there for them. True or false? True. Hmm? The rest of us, True. true or false? so in a moment when control is taken from us like I said one can't wish for it you know but if something has happened it has happened and one has to see how to go past it that this thing is no longer a chain or a shackle in their heart you know If control has been taken from us before in the past, the only way for us to really be in control is if that control that was taken from us, we also willingly in our hearts release it and say to ourselves, yes, I was raped. Yes. I didn't approve, but this person still did it. Yes it happened. Because if we keep going saying, this didn't happen, this shouldn't have happened. You, my mom, were not there. You, my brother, were not there. If we keep on living in denial of that event, that person who took our control for five minutes, we will spend the next 20 years giving that person back that control. Do you understand that? Huh? Yes. Hmm? Does that make sense to us? When we don't look at that experience and say, this happened. I didn't have control over it. I couldn't have stopped it. I didn't have the strength. No one was around to help me. when we don't own that moment, that is when that moment will keep on being given in the hands of someone else. Because Jesus Christ said, no one takes my life from me, I lay down. So for him to have had peace in a moment when all that manner of wickedness was being done to him is because in that moment, he owned what was happening to him. He owned powerlessness, he owned it and it became his own. And in doing so, he gained all the power. It's a paradox, it's very twisted, but I'm just, I'm just, see, I, I just, I hope no one feels offended in what I'm saying. I'm not trying to, you know, do you understand what I'm trying to say? Do you understand? Yeah. When a person has been kidnapped and has been delivered to the hands of a torturer, right? That torturer, maybe he takes pliers and removes your teeth, pokes your fingers with the needle, all kinds of wickedness. The most painful part of the person that has been tortured is the beginning. Because in that beginning, you were in denial of what was happening to you. And that's why it was very painful in the beginning. But the moment you have gotten to a place where you own it and make it your own, that's what they train CIA agents to do, how to become in control of that moment of being tortured where they are doing it to you, but you, have, you first of all, do it yourself, you own it. That is how one seizes power of powerlessness. And in that moment, when the torturer realizes that this individual actually has owned this moment, they know that this session has failed and they have to kill this person because you can't you can't break them because they've already you can only break someone who is resisting. But when because submission has two faces: there's a submission that one submits because they really don't have power at all and, in that submission they're still very resentful they're still very bitter they're still very angry because really they have already given you control but they just don't have strength to fight you back that's one kind of submission there's another kind of submission where i really have the power i'm really able to not be here but i choose to lay down that is a different kind of submission and if you stand on the outside and you see those two people from the outside you can't tell the difference because from the outside, it looks the same. It looks like these two people are both helpless, powerless, and they don't know anything. But psychologically, one of them has really seized power of that moment and made it their own. And no one can take anything from them. But the other one has given him because maybe there's no strength to do anything and fight back. You know, And such person, Even in their silence, even in their docility, they are very, very angry and very bitter and very resentful. They didn't give it to you because they they owned that moment. They gave it to you because they didn't find the strength to own it, and they left that moment that power was taken from them and they're so angry about it, angry about it and they beat themselves and they hate themselves for it and they hate anyone that reminds them of that and they just go around with a lot of hate, 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 hate because that moment wasn't owned. One didn't say to themselves, this happened. and seize authority over it. there's no circumstance that good cannot come out of. The question is, do we want to find it? You know. I will not ask anyone to jump into a place where um, such a thing can happen to them. But when something has happened, when that darkness has come, when that evil has appeared, The only choice you really have is to go up. And sometimes going up might make you look foolish, but it's better for you to look foolish in going up than to go down. Do you understand? Hmm? Are we able to understand? I... Yeah. Huh? The rest of us, everyone yeah. is so quiet. Please talk to me, let me not know that. Let me know what time, if I am uh, <laughs> Let me know if I'm saying rubbish, please. Talk to me, people. What are our thoughts? Better said.
7: It's like what sex is really supposed to
12: be you to give up control Sorry. and in return.
0: Yes.
7: Can you hear me? I can hear you. Um, and we twisted, and one person is is holding it over the other. it's just such wickedness. I just I don't know this one is hard. <laughs> hmm.
6: Can I say something? Huh? Can I say something? Sorry, uh. I- I couldn't find the icon to raise my hand. Sorry. Sir. OK. I'm sorry for intruding. Um, the reason why everybody is uh, quiet make is... Make sure that there's compassion in your voice, please. I
0: know.
3: <laughs>
6: <laughs> Be careful, please. The reason why everybody's quiet is because it's a very sensitive subject, and everybody has felt um, Everybody has been victimized by the act in some one way or the other. And also, in a way, everybody has, you know, um, raped somebody from lack of knowledge and from um, understanding, you understand? And I remember when I was growing up as a young guy, uh, I, I just have to be honest. You know, it, it, I've heard this thing that, you know, you have to force yourself on a lady that she'll tell you, but you still have to push. And I've actually met some ladies from women like that. That when you, when they, when you, I mean, when you, they say no the first time and you stop, they'll be like, What's wrong with you? Don't you know you have to push? So it's a very, very, um, it's, a, it's like a wound that is covered but has not fully healed for many people. That's why everybody's quiet. So we, we come from both sides of the spectrum. But I, a lot of the things you've said, funny enough, I was having a conversation with somebody uh, this evening before I came in to the meeting, and it's exactly the same thing, where um, we need to reconcile with our past and own what has happened, what we've done, and what has been done to us, because there's light inside each of these experiences, and we need to learn from them. Although it's it's kind of hard because identify with the pain, and um, in each moment, you know, these past experiences, and it is uh, it is it's challenging. I don't want to say it's hard; it's pretty child challenging to to reconcile. But um, judging from my experience in recent times, and you you are aware of them. I've come to understand that this is the way reconciliation of all these chaos that has happened internally. It's the um, true and number one foremost work of everyone who is translating into light. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for that, bro. Thank
0: you. Yeah. yeah reconciliation you know it's not easy you know it's not it's not easy especially when especially for those of us who have really had a short end of the stake in life you know and um, just can't help but look at ourselves as victims because this in truth, truth be told there's a lot of things are done towards that way yeah. Phew, By all means, we can be called victims, you know, and um, we have become comfortable looking at ourselves as victims of life and, uh, you know, everything that happened to us was unfortunate and why me, why me, you know. The problem is not seeing oneself as a victim. problem is what that can cause one to do to others you know because remember all of us were in high school isn't it and in gs one to three we're all victims of the senior students true or false
8: yeah we were
0: true did we like when our heads got knocked and we had to fetch water and kneel down did we like any of those things Didn't we feel victimized when those things happen to us? I'm asking. Huh? So, how come in senior school we went around and did those exact same things to others? (laughs) You know, you get what I'm saying? The mindset of the victim can only but create what it what it itself is like because that's the only life it knows seeing the short end of the stick being under the foot of someone and because that person lives that life on their foot that person doesn't have a choice but to also do the same to another person and make another person become a victim some way somehow when we are still blaming someone else for something regarding our lives. Sooner or later, someone is going to enter into our lives and we're going to punish them for every suffering that happened to us in the past. Because when it's not dealt with, when we are still, you know, we're still giving power to whoever did what to us in the past we still hold it in deep anger and vengefulness. Sooner or later, someone will appear that might just remind us of that particular person in the past. And knowingly or unknowingly, we will put all the punishment on that person as though they were the ones that did this to us 10, 15 years ago. Did I tell a lie? You know, You know, so beauty can come out of all these things. Even something as very heinous and ugly as rape. In the place when one loses control is when one can gain the greatest kind of control. The greatest kind of control is the control That is given away by will. You only have something when you can give it. If you can't give something, you don't have it. And that's why Jesus Christ really had that life. Because he had that life, is why he could give it away. Bill Gates really has money because he can give it. If you can't give money, you don't have it, you're broke. Because if you have money, you you should be able to spend. So your spending capacity is a testament of your wealth. It's not the one in your pocket. That's when you know you are rich, when you can afford to wake up and say, I'm gonna buy five houses. The greatest form of control is the ability to let it go by will. You know, it's very painful if one doesn't plan for it. If it just happens to you, it's very painful. And it's very hard. But in that place, when we are thrown into a deep darkness and we are faced with two options. One, sinking into a deeper hell. Or two, ascending to heaven with a heavy cost. It will benefit us to pay that cost. Because when something extreme has happened, once it has happened, something extreme has happened, the only response to it has to be something equally extreme. It's the only way, you know. And that is when light can be taken out of it. I hope from all that has been said regarding this that um, we've been able to learn one or two, you know. I hope so. So, Kiton, your hand has been raised.
12: Hi. Um, can you hear me? I can hear you. Awesome. So, um, everything that you've talked, you've, you've been talking about, I understand. Um, it's um, it's a heavy topic, and so my question was, um, last year I got into an accident where I, um. My spinal, my spinal cord was bruised, and I lost like a good a good amount of motion and movement in my my legs and my hands. So I sort of had to start walking, learn how to walk again. And um, it's been a year now, and um, I've been. I at the beginning I was asking, you know, oh God, why this, why that, but as time went on, I've sort of like, I've come, I've come to terms, um, I'm at peace with what happened. A lot of, a lot of healing and a lot of like change has gone on within me that I'm grateful to that situation for. So my question now is like, when you reconcile to, reconciled to that aspect of yourself um, and you have peace with that, because my body still like, I don't walk normally, like for long periods of time, I can, I need a cane to actually walk. So um, my question is, I've said that so many times, but my question is, uh, how do you, if you reconcile to that, I've reconciled to it. Does that now mean that I don't believe that God will make my body whole again, or I don't have faith? That he will. To be honest, I don't I don't really care if I like I walk like I was before. If I continue walking like this for the rest of my life, it doesn't matter to me. But I'm just saying that like if someone has gone through a similar thing or or like the situation you were talking with, like people who have been sexually abused, those people who have come to terms and to peace with that aspect of their lives is it lack of faith to not believe that God will take away these things from them? Or I I don't, I hope, I I don't know if you understand what I'm trying to say. Okay. So, yeah.
0: So let me start by saying that it's okay. if You are not fine with you not being able to walk the way you used to, you know, Because it's painful and uh, when pain comes, you can't deny it, you know, because it's there and we're hurting. And it's okay because that's where we are. It's okay because that's where we are. That that's where we are does not mean that we can't go beyond it, but we can't tell ourselves that we are not okay. You know, because it's okay because that's where we are. I would say, especially regarding, you know, life-changing incidents like what you have described, you know, oftentimes when things like that happen, people ask the wrong questions. Questions like, why should this happen to me? You see, why should this happen to me is the wrong question because it's not really a question. It's a statement. It's a statement that says, I know this should not have happened. Now, I need you to tell me, I need you to prove to me why what I know is wrong. Does that make sense? Yes. Huh? Yes. That's really what that question, why did this happen really is saying, it's not really a question, it's a statement. It's telling you, I know, that this shouldn't have happened. So, you need to prove to me that I'm wrong. The reason why that's a wrong question is because it does not lead to anywhere profitable, at least not at that time. It doesn't lead you to a place where you can become better. That question just leads to deeper anguish like that that. Because if I then tell you, okay, I, it happened because I, it's at that point in time, because of that heart from which you asked that question, even if the real answer came, that real answer. Become even, to make it even more bitter. Do you understand what I'm saying?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Because the question came from the wrong place. When one finds himself in a situation that is very extreme, very unprecedented, very painful, the first question to ask is, what can I make of? this because it has happened you know something has come it has happened it has happened and i'm saying this so that because sometimes when things happen we try to deny it and we imagine alternate i I remember sometimes maybe in high school when they are flogging me and as they're flogging me i'm just imagining myself not saying the thing i said that led me to be flogged so in that moment they're flogging me i'm in denial of it does that make sense so i'm just there Imagine, ah, what if I didn't say this word? Because I am not acknowledging that I've been flogged. So I try and imagine myself in alternate scenarios to just deny what has happened. When something has happened, it has happened. why that in that point is not it doesn't benefit it's not a functional question because it doesn't benefit us you know the question is what can i make of this how can i use this to produce something good when we have that mind that mindset of what can i create with this because every circumstance we have is like a raw material that we can create something out of, that we can make something out of. When it happens, we need to ask, what can I create from this? What can I make out of this? If we approach it with that mindset, in that mindset, it's possible that healing can come and maybe that injury can be removed. It's possible that it might not also come But what is important is that that moment that could have completely made a person's mind and heart completely derailed, in that moment, instead of derailing, they flourished. Because even if the thing goes away, but one did not gain that ability to flourish in that dark moment, then they lost twice because they lost by a tragedy happening and they lost by that tragedy making them less than they were before does that make sense do you understand Hmm?
12: yes i understand you know
0: thank you when a tragedy happens and we deny ourselves the opportunity to flourish in the midst of that tragedy, and instead we allow ourselves to diminish in that tragedy, in that moment, the tragedy has become double. It has become two. Because it's already bad enough that something bad happened externally. Now we have permitted something bad to also happen internally the tragedy has doubled. So in that moment, when something that we did not wish for, expect, plan for happens, we need to ask, what can I make of this? What can I create from this? What can I mold from this? so that that which is capable of completely pushing you down is the very thing that you use to lift yourself up. Then a victory has come. If a miracle happens and the thing goes away, great. So, when a miracle happens, a double blessing has come because what? One, you became beautiful in that painful circumstance. And two, that thing now left. So, now a double blessing. You know, it'll always be better than allowing oneself to sink. Because oftentimes, when tragedies happen, we sink and we beat ourselves up and we just. We deny what has happened. We deny it. We deny it. Things are almost always more painful when we deny. There's a power that comes, a freedom that comes in that place of accepting what has happened, good or bad. Accepting doesn't mean that it can be changed. But for something to change, it must first be accepted. It's always the beginning. What has not been accepted cannot be changed. No. So that's what I'll say. You know, when one finds themselves in a place like that, one needs to ask, "What can I create out of this?" You know. And I want to say, "God bless you, Tong." You know. And imagine how it's not easy, you know, and I'm sure it must have brought out a lot of courage, you know, to just the memories of how you used to walk before contradicting with how you're walking now is painful, it's a lot to deal with. And, um, in the name of Jesus, I just pray some strength into your heart. I pray strength into your heart. I pray the spirit of peace that passes all understanding to begin to make its home inside of you. I pray for courage in the name of Jesus Christ. And I want you to know that it's okay.
3: You know,
5: you're still very sad about it.
3: Hmm. It's fine. No, it's okay. God bless you, you, Kito.
12: Amen. Mm? Thank you.
9: Bless you.
5: God bless you. God bless you. Leonel. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay. So, um, when you were talking before, I remembered. Um, I mean, one incident I can remember that happened to me was um, when I was, will <laughs> I say, um, embarrassed and beaten by police. Uh, I've never been. I mean, when that thing happened, I've never been so embarrassed (laughs) in my whole life. Uh, I mean, I can laugh about it now. And um, so what happened was, um, I mean, I know it was later that, of course, I knew it happened because I was not, of course, I was not supposed to be um, on the road. Oh, I was not supposed to be out at that time. You know, this was I mean in. I would say my past life <laughs> yeah. when I was still like, I had, like you know how you put it, my promiscuous, you know, days. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, um, one of those nights, I was coming back home, and um, in the morning, and then all of a sudden, you know. Close to my house, not too far. Um, police stopped me, and
3: yeah.
5: before I knew it, uh, come out, come out, uh, park here, and I was like, okay, uh, say we're going to the station because the station was really was not too far from where they stopped me.
3: Yeah.
5: And one of them said, "Give me your keys." And I said, "I can't give you my key." The moment I said that, the the slap.
3: <laughs> <Slappy>. <laughs>
5: <laughs> ah, this slap give me. and before i knew it you know there were three of them i think yeah if i can remember before i knew it one one held me on my trousers, the other one held me on my shirt and they, uh, they started calling me thief so you're a thief <laughs> You know that I stole the car I was driving uh, because I just I just got in the car and not done um, um complete uh, change yes change of ownership I was going to which I was trying to explain to them but they were not having it so they started calling me thief, and that place was a very was was like a bus stop so
3: mm.
5: it was very open <laughs> the embarrassment was you know televised <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> you know so he started calling me thief you say you're a thief beating me slapping me blowing me ah man it felt like a movie I was I was inside I went I was inside they didn't allow me to use my phone he seized my phone checked my message everything was just happening my mind couldn't process what was going on because of course that's never happened to me. And I felt humiliated. I felt embarrassed, you know? Um, so maybe the right statement that, you know,
3: <laughs> I didn't want to write,
5: but to cut the long story short, if not for someone there who knew me and uh, I had to give him, you know, um, uh, someone's number, like my dad's number and everything. So, but when I left there, of course, I went back, I came back with the military military family, family <laughs> friend,
3: ready to close. <laughs> <laughs> so
5: upset. I was so upset that, you know, I was humiliated like this. But why I'm mentioning this is
0: when this. So your voice is a bit low. Okay, can you hear me? Is it better now? aha uh-huh, I can hear.
5: Yeah. Okay, so why I'm mentioning this is because, um, I struggled with hate, like serious hatred for anybody on uniform.
3: Yeah.
5: Anyone that was on uniform, I don't care who. You, once I know you are police, you have counseled are canceled, you know, <laughs> and, um, that was beginning to, I mean, it, it was so bad that each time I would pass that, um, station, my heart would start beating, my whole body would start shaking, you know, because of how bad it was. Um, but when I had, when I gave my life, when I, you know, rededicated my life to God and, um, God now said, you know, now brought it up. and said, ah, you, for you to move forward, you need to forgive this, especially there was one particular man. That was the one. <laughs> he was the one that did most, the most damage, yeah. you know, I didn't forget his face. And, um, so he started to, you know, tell me to forgive. And it was it was really difficult. It was really difficult. Uh, but my goal then was to grow in Christ. And of course, I had to uh, acknowledge what was happening or what had happened and um, ask, you know, God to help me. Eventually, you know, uh, started praying for the person, or praying for these people, because that was like one practical step that he was. That God taught me, in, you know, in forgiveness. And when I started doing that, you know, gradually, gradually, uh, in, I began to let go. So I'm saying this because when this whole answers thing, you know, came up that's that thing this thing happened uh yes this thing happened uh 2015 um, so when answers you know uh thing came up that incident came up in my mind but because i mean i always see i it it makes me when i see i don't like like i don't like when people are oppressed like or pressure you know but um but because you know, like you, like you said, there has to be some level of control. If not, because when I couldn't um, control myself, if I see oppression, I just can't help myself. I would, I would, <laughs> I would lose myself and you know get upset. Yeah. And yeah, I didn't. So, but seeing, seeing the whole thing, I, I, because of what had happened before, and God helping me to let go. You know, and really forgive that whole incident that sought to really destroy my soul mm. was now what God used to um, enlarge my capacity to forgive, even to love the unlovable, if I can say that. So, um, yeah. So that's why I'm, I, I I just thought to share that. Um, like you said is in this it depends on how we approach it you know how we see it when the lord opens our eyes when we see it we see it as um, as it can once we take it to god god nothing is wasted in god once you take it to god he turns that that which was evil he turns it around for your good, just like, you know, um, masturbation and pornography was a, a Jesus, it was a, it was a stronghold for many years. And, but when as God delivered me and everything now, that which was, you know, that which destroyed me before, because I've, you know, Come to terms with it, or I've I'm I've been healed from it. So even I can talk to people that have gone through it, and I use that, you know, to help them to encourage them, and you know, so they feel they are not alone. Because when I was going through my own, I went through it
3: alone,
5: (laughs) you know. uh, But uh, yeah, it's just god helping us opening our eyes and um seeing it for what it truly is an opportunity for great harvest if i can say that so yes thank you god bless you bro god bless you yeah 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 you know when we get to the point where you know Begin to talk about
0: the pain and uh, how to create something beautiful from from something that looks almost hopeless itself. It's a daunting matter, you know. But these very areas are the areas that God wants to fortify us in the most. And these are the areas that God wants to
5: build us up from the most, because these are the places
0: where we as people are most broken and most hurt. And the places that we are most broken and most hurt are the places where we are most vulnerable, you know. And a God who has an intention of making us people who are invulnerable, would most likely wish to visit our vulnerabilities and uh, look into those old spaces that we don't like to touch. You
5: know? But for our healing, it's not just important, but it's beyond necessary. you know. And I just pray for the spirit of courage
0: and peace into the heart of every single one of us. As we begin to also think about things in our own lives
5: and um, just go down memory lane,
0: I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that the spirit of God goes with you. And from this moment, starts to give a new definition to Our past experiences and even our present experiences. I pray for the grace of the Almighty God to begin to speak for us and to begin to speak to us. I pray for the spirit of healing, I pray for the spirit of wholeness, I pray for the spirit of reconciliation. To begin to take root on the inside of us, that we might become whole and complete people. In the name of Jesus Christ.
5: Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen.
3: Amen.
0: Amen. Kauna. I saw your hand was raised for a long time. My deepest apologies. If you still wish to speak, I really appreciate if you did so. Kauna?
10: Well, yes. I actually wanted to talk about um, brokenness and how a lot of people are broken, like even in church, you know, lots of people are hurt, and even our pastors don't help, you know, because they're not vulnerable with us. You know, nobody comes and says, Oh, I've struggled with this, and you know, I'm not perfect, you know, even though I'm your pastor, I'm not perfect, you know, things like that. <clears throat> and then I remember yesterday, yesterday? the first day yesterday or so, I was on Cora. And then, you know, I saw a lot of questions from people, people from, you know, who are lesbians, who are gay, who are homosexual, you know, talking about how they hated the church and how Christians per se hated them because they came out and said, oh, I think I'm attracted to women more. Or, oh, I think I'm attracted to men. You know, they were were put down. They were shamed, you know. It's more like in an African household, now, a child comes out to his parents and say, a girl probably, or a boy comes and say, oh, I, I, I think I like girls or I like boys. And then, you know, they look down on these children, you know, as the black sheep of the family. And it really hurts me because, you know, they were, gi- they were being given the wrong answers. A lot of people were saying, oh, deconvert, become an atheist. Christians are horrible people. Christians are rude. Christians don't care about anybody. You know, it really broke me and gave me a very, another broad perspective of what I should be, you know, um, concerning love. As Christians, we always talk about love, evangelizing, you know, speaking to people and all that. But you know, most times we don't show it. And it's the little things to be honest. You know, you you might never know who's looking at you in the supermarket or in the market or in the salon everybody's watching and we're not meant to walk that consciousness of oh everybody's watching but that you know I remember you saying oh she's scattered their head with love and to be honest that's what I've made my mind to do to scatter people with love and not at the expense of my own self But like you know showing them that you know I'm not perfect too but I'll try my best to love you because Christ showed me love and as Christians we always forget that we are also deep in sin, and yes, Christ, and yet Christ showed us love. But we often forget that, you know. Oh, it's it's like we're now proud, you know. Oh, I'm now a Christian, you know. I'm pure, I'm clean, I'm this, I'm that. So you guys you that goes for parties, you know. You you that likes girls more, you know. You're nothing. You no, know, we just cast people away, and it's it's hurting to be honest. It's very it's heartbreaking that people actually see Christians as, as rude people, that were horrible. It broke me. I, I, I can't imagine the type of pain, you know? Somebody talking about how her dad left her, you know? I, I saw a post on Twitter today how a girl, if 14 wasn't 14 or 13, you know, she told the Bible and you know, made a very horrible sculpture about how the Bible oppresses women. And, you know, things like that, it just broke me that a lot of children, lots of young people are, are hurt. They are broken from their past, from their parents, from people around them, you know. I also saw, um, you know, on Instagram page, I think it's called the Antioch House or so, where they talked about idolatry, you know. We idolize our pastors. So because, some, you know, sometimes we see them as perfect people. So sometimes when, when they do certain things, we, we just, we lose hope. We're like oh he's a christian he he fell for it you know it's i don't know how to express my pain i don't know but i just hope it helps somebody I, I just hope
5: well thank you for sharing your heart you know and um
0: it's one of the things that we in this time are all trying to because before we can correct anything on the outside we have to correct things on the inside of ourselves because if not in the name of trying to do something better, we'll end up in our own time creating a completely different monster, you know. And that's why it's so important for us to begin to introspect and um, begin to take recognition of our own biases and our own defects, you know, our own faultiness. I begin to place those aspects of ourselves before God and seeking to build those parts of ourselves that are very impoverished. You know, because we are all like a country, right? And in a country, you have the states that are very rich, like Abuja, Lagos, who, and uh, who have who control most of the country's money. You know, and you have the places that are very impoverished. Our mind and heart is just like this. There are regions that are very rich and love and there are regions that are very poor. It would be wise to bring some kind of developments to those parts of ourselves that are very poor. Because you see, the poor places are always the most vulnerable. And that's why, for example, in the north, because there's a lot of poverty there, that's why it's easy to get the people there to pick up guns and kill people. Because the places that are not developed are the places that are most vulnerable. And that's why we can't sweep our vulnerability under the carpet because those are the areas that Satan will always use as a gateway into our hearts. Just like the way physically on a large scale we see how the comma starts, you know, come, I'll give you a woman, 10,000 naira, come and kill. It's the same way Satan speaks to those vulnerable areas in our hearts, giving them 10,000 naira. And do you understand this analogy? Does the analogy make sense?
3: Huh?
1: Yes, it does.
3: It
0: yeah?
1: does. It does.
0: So those areas in our hearts that are the most hurt, are the most broken, are the most impoverished, are not really developed, you know? Yes, I can speak so well, but my temper is up to the roof. That area, that area, that area will be the place that the enemy will always seek to penetrate you through and it deserves a lot of attention development must also go there We have to see how to build those parts of ourselves that are very impoverished that's why you see someone after 20 years in ministry you now find them in some kind of scandal yes because there's an impoverished aspect of his or herself or him or herself that they did not work on, that they did not build on, they just abandoned it and acted like it wasn't there. Well, like we said before, when you abandon it sooner or later, that thing that you abandoned will come back to embarrass you in the future, you know? Because there has to be reconciliation inside of you. You can't be walking contradiction. You can't be contradicting. You know, you can't be working contradiction. It's, it causes a lot of inner turbulence. And sooner or later, it will express itself outside, you know. So this is what the Holy Trinity speaks about. On a, like I said, on a deeply personal and psychological, today, I mean, we didn't go into theology. I mean, I mean we were expecting that today. You know, there wasn't much theology. In the beginning, I tried to bring theology, but it just didn't work. God just locked my mouth I, I just, when I saw that I was saying nonsense, I just stopped trying to talk theology because, like I said, it's not, it's not my words. Like I sit down, I wait for the download. When it comes, I speak. When I saw that I was using my mind, all the scriptures, nothing was coming, and I knew that, ah, this is not the day for this. <laughs> so I stopped trying to use theology, you know. Yes, yeah, like cloud storage. <laughs> so my, when I noticed that my words were uncalibrated, I knew that. God wants to take a different route. So Chisong, talk to me, please.
13: I've literally like been sitting here, like, you know, just I listened to so many things that everybody has said. And it kind of reminds me of the conversation that you and I had, you know. And how, you know, there are certain things in, in our lives that sort of like <clears throat> shape who we are. And sort of make us feel a certain way. Like, I remember um, growing up and having having been told, oh, um, oh you're fat, you're this, or oh, you need to lose weight. Oh, you know, the kind of guys you like, you know, they, they like slim girls, so you need to lose weight, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, or some of my mom's friends would say, ah, if she's not good in school, maybe she just go and... I set up set up a trade for her, you know. I mean, school is not by force, you know that sort of thing. And it kind of really like the kind of person that I am, now, the kind of person that really, I've come to be, you know, is all revolved around that. Because for for so long, even now, like when a guy comes and talks to me, I feel grateful. Like, oh my god, is it me? Is it yeah. me that he's talking to? Like, wow, oh, so I'm not invisible. Like, oh, wow, they can't see me. Oh, wow, you know, I'm not fat anymore. Oh, wow, okay, my tummy doesn't look like as if I've had four children. Wow, you know, I feel grateful that they speak to me. And so much so in the sense that because of, you know, that whole, you know, being spoken to like that, it really influenced me in such a way that, you know, all I just wanted, really wanted to do was get married so that I can stop hearing the voices, you mm-hmm. know, and obviously ended up getting married to someone who literally gave me hell. But, you know, like, it's it's crazy how, you know, it, it, thinking about it now, and listening to you, you know, like how those sort of things sort of form who you are now. Because obviously now, you know, I'm in therapy and then someone is asking me, okay, so... Um, what are your weaknesses, you know, what are your strengths, okay, you know, and then I'm, as I'm pouring out all these things, it's now a reflection of all the things that I was, you know, I was being told when I was young, and I'm like, oh, but that's not really me, to be real, you know, that's, that's not who I am, and um, it just goes to show, like, obviously, like, how your foundation, how the foundation is so important, you know, is so important in, to, obviously, to become who you're supposed to be, and you know, speaking of um, you know, the last thing that you just said now about how you know there's some people who are in ministry and then obviously end up, you know, having some sort of scandal or the other. You know, I was saying to someone today, I was like, I just want to be whole.
3: Mm.
13: I just want to be free because I know that there's I know that there's you know I know that there's an anointing on my life but I just want to be free and whole before I start doing anything because I don't want a situation where you know however it is that is I'm I'm feeling or have felt you know will influence some sort of decision and then maybe one day someone's there yeah, but you know like a few years ago you know it's something I just I just don't want that that's why you know but then people say things to you and like oh but you know just move just move you know you know God will heal you on the way you know you just just move and I'm just like I can't move I can't like I really cannot move because I just kind of feel like what am I going to give you what am I going to pour like you you literally have to be full before you give to somebody else I can't pour from an empty cup what, what exactly am I supposed to be saying to you how am I supposed to be encouraging you you know the other day I shared a piece of you no know, a few months ago I shared a piece of myself with somebody and the person was like oh you know, they don't they don't see the vulnerability, they just see the strength and the, you know, all of that. And I'm just looking at these people like, I don't understand what you're talking about because I'm just sh- sharing, oh, you know, what it is I've gone through and you, you're you seeing it as, you know, oh, she's strong, she's something. So I totally agree with you how, you know, you just literally, I mean, I call them demons, you know, how you had to get rid of your, um or, or get whole or get rid of your demons, so to speak so that you can sort of like move on and be whole and complete. Cause I mean, this journey, like this journey is, I was saying to someone this morning, the journey is hard, child, but. It is hard. Uh, I, I guess, you know, it's a work in progress, like step by step. <laughs> yeah.
5: Yes, yeah. it is well, God bless you. And uh, thank you for speaking your heart. Um, It means much. Um, I pray that the work that God has started in you, he would continue and you
0: see through to the end in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to let you know that from where you are right now, you're useful. From where you are right now, you're useful. And you have something to give from where you are right now. It's not the you tomorrow. The you right now has value to give. The you right now has value to offer. The one tomorrow also have. It might be more than now, but the you right now has something to give. And I just wanted to tell you that.
5: God bless you.
1: you're
0: welcome you're very welcome Abby.
2: okay hi hello good evening everybody Um, I just wanted to while Chisholm was talking um, God just God reminded me of an analogy he gave me at a time in my journey that um, helped me through um, some of the things that uh, El Shaka talked about tonight. Um, by the way, you basically just literally went into my soul, went into all the inner places, just brought out um, things that I'm dealing with in the past few weeks. Um, so thank you. Thank you for the help, you know, in sorting them out. So what is the analogy? In Asia, in Japan, um, they, they, they actually celebrate broken China more than new China.
3: Mm.
2: You know, So that is, they celebrate it when the China chips or breaks. By so doing, they'll be able to put it together with an adhesive that hardens into a gold-like substance. So it would, it would look as if, as it ages, it actually increases the value of mm. that um, broken piece of china, of earthenware, so to speak. Mm. So that day, uh, while I was... You know, like some, I was in a very, you know, just, I was in a dark place. My life is this, my life is that. How can he use me? I'm just so um, not usable. Even now, so most times I still beat myself down. And then he gave me this vision of a, a jug or container made from earth, an earthenware container that's fired up in a clean. So when it's whole, it's like white china, you know, those whites with blue drawings and all that. And then by whatever reason, this piece of beautiful art broke into pieces. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And, you know, this hand just came and used a a translucent material to bring the pieces together into a container back, and then light was placed inside that container. Because of the translucent material that held the pieces together, the light in the container was able to go farther, reach, you know, beyond if it had just been a light in a container, you know, it's made from earth, clay. Come on, just how much? How can the light come out? And he gave me that word, that the brokenness is what allows the light to go far. Mm-hmm. You know, so this this part of the talk ties in with the second part of us coming to terms with the pain, of us coming to terms with so to speak being at peace with you know that um that other side of us when we get saved and we get born again what we do most times is to bury it we actually bury it living it's actually a living thing inside a coffin that we buried and if for those who know the story of Dracula and vampire, once given the opportunity, by the time it comes out of that grave, it's going to come out nastier, nastier than it was buried. And then we we'll would be like, ah, we have regressed, we have. But the minute you come to terms with, okay, this is this this happened to me. Yes, I was raped. Yes, I was this. Yes, I had a traumatic, you know, childhood. Yes, I was abused. Yes, I was. When you come to terms with that and realize that even that is um, material in the hands of God to be used, then we come into our own trinity, the trinity of our lives. You know, then the Holy Spirit overshadows us and we will be able to birth the Christ in our lives that is when wholeness will come. That is when peace will come. That is when, you know, freedom from every chain and, you know, all that will come. So I just want to, you know, encourage us with that word that we are vessels, you know, yes, we're vessels unto honor, but, you know, let's not be, let's not be, um, let's not lie to ourselves. We are broken vessels unto honor. What makes us good, what makes us golden, you know, is that love of the Father, that overshadowing of his light and his love mixed together in our lives to make a beautiful piece of mosaic is what really, really, really makes us um, the Christ that people want to see and the earth needs. Thank you.
0: Amen. That was very, thank you for that. Thank you for that. Yeah, the Trinity of our lives. I
5: love that statement. I I actually shed a tear when you said that because I myself began to
3: reminisce.
5: (laughs) The Trinity of our lives,
0: the reconciliation with the light and the darkness on the inside of us that really produces something formidable
5: something beautiful, something true, something that lasts. And God wishes to achieve this in every single one of us. That all the aspects of ourselves
0: that we consider to be worthless, to be turned into the raw material upon which the most beautiful things about us will be fashioned. And that is where we are now in different ways, because we all are facing different experiences, but every single one of them are raw material upon which something beautiful can be made. It is up to us to want that beautiful thing to be made
5: because there's something seductive about pain. There's something
0: sweet about having something to complain about and to cry about. And there's something sweet, seductive and pleasurable in being a victim and always saying this happened to me, this happened to me, this happened to me and there's something seductive about it. And we're oftentimes very seduced by it and it's so hard to break that bond. And that's why even if healing comes, we don't accept it because we have become seduced by our pain. We have made it our
5: identity. And we say, This is me, you know.
0: But God wishes to bring us out of that place and truly really make us whole, make us complete, make us shalom. So, friends, I would say that this is the beginning
5: of the Trinity that must take place within. So yeah, yeah. Now the end has come. <laughs>
0: Finally, <laughs> I hope oh,
5: we're
10: blessed. Is it not
7: three o'clock? Is it not nearly three o'clock where you are?
0: It is indeed.
7: love no you look, you look tired. Thank you so much. God bless you, El. You hugs and love from this side. We'll rest. We'll rest. Amen. <laughs>
5: amen
0: amen yeah so father in the name of Jesus Christ we thank you for that which you have initiated this night father do what only you can do complete that which only you can complete here we are ready to allow ourselves With that clay for you to mold. Here we are, Father, presenting every aspect of ourselves, including those parts
5: that we consider to be shameful. We present it before you this very moment and say, Father, look at me. Clean me. Help me. Lift me. Father, we're ready for you. And we invite you into our hearts. Thank you for that which you have started to do. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless every single one of
3: us. Thank you so much. Good night.